Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Guess what day it is? It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday. Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday. Welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us. It's 7 o'clock on a Friday morning. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Blues open up their home season tomorrow night at Enterprise Center. Hope you're a great weekend. Brooke, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's Friday. It is. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I've such a long week. I'm worn out. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Like three what? days, huh? <laughs> All three of those days you were here. It's so hard on you. <laughs> you, did, you did the scheduling right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I need a vacation from your vacation. That's yeah. right. Yeah, so this Monday I'm going to take the day off. Oh, my God. <laughs> I forgot you were doing that, too. Uh, you got the Tim McKernan special, huh? Oh, Did you yeah. have a conversation with him and figure that out? I just kind of observed. <laughs> I let him lead by example. There you go. Matthew awesome. Rocchio, who, by the way, has a uh, lollipop in his mouth. Uh, Sunshine, at 7 o'clock. Lollipops. And yeah, see, I'm trying to be more positive, you guys. Sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. I'm on my game, too. I pot it up right before you hit it, Randy. So yesterday, we had the arrival of uh, some lollipops from our friends at the Wingding. We participated in the Wingding, and to send us a thank you, they sent us lollipops. So we're we're loaded up on lollipops here in the opening drive. <laughs> it's like a little mini bucket of lollipops. off of Mountain Dew. Yeah, yeah, right. I had to go back there to get my markers, and I was like, well, I'm not going to oh, not why, take one. Why not? Why not? <laughs> it's there. Uh, the Blues have opened up their season with a 2-1 loss to the Stars in a shootout last night. Fun game, interesting game, and uh, the Blues, I thought, played pretty well. Second period, no score. Jamie Benn scores for Dallas, but the Blues come back a little over two minutes later with Tyler Tucker coming through. The Blues four on two, bringing it in. Hayes had it poked off of his stick, goes to the blue line. Tucker shoots, and a puck bounces off a leg. Comes back to Tucker. He scores! Sammy Blay in front. With the screen, but a wrist shot by Tyler Tucker. Finds the back of the net. And his second career NHL goal has tied the game for the Blues. 1-1. 17-23 to go, second period. And CD has a new favorite player. Oh, yeah. There you go. Tyler Tucker. <laughs> there you go. We got a workshop. He's been scoring goals. Tough yeah. point. So, tuck point for you. Yep. Brooke says we need to workshop this a little bit. I, maybe just like a little bit more, but I like the tuck pointing because then you can also slide in possibly a commercial deal with like that. And he, as a defenseman, can build a wall. Now, oh! now see what you did there. There we there go. Please we go. hire us we, for we consulting. We should have a side consulting yeah, business for media training and also nicknames. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For, 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 you know, we can help these guys get uh, get some deals going on here. Right. Goaltending and defense, terrific. The game ends in regulation in a tie, 1-1. Ends in overtime in a tie, 1-1. We go to the shootout, and Dallas gets a couple of shootout tallies from Jason Robertson and Matt Duchesne, and the Blues have a chance to tie it. 
but Jake Edinger stopped them. And Jordan Cairo skates it in right down the middle. Deke shoots, and then he lost the handle, never got the shot away. A wasted attempt, and the St. Louis Blues fall in the shootout to the Dallas Stars. Dallas outshoots St. Louis 34-24. Here is Blues goaler Jordan Bennington on the effort. we got to be positive. Um, you know, uh, we, we've had a great training camp a couple weeks here, and, uh, you know, we played well, played hard, and, and played a good team. We had a good couple good chances. You know, their goalie played well, too, and um, it was a good hockey game. If the Blues, every time they play in Dallas, would take them to a shootout, and you tell me they're going to get a sh- have a shootout opportunity every time they play in Dallas. I'm going to take it. I, I I look at that almost as a win, getting a point out of that. That was, a, I mean, they played really well. Jordan Bennington played outstanding. I mm-hmm. thought he played fantastic. Uh, one of the concerns I had in the preseason was shots on goal. Mm-hmm. They are still allowing a lot of shots on goal, and we talked about it. And you know that was maybe not on the top of their list of priorities. But here's the thing: if you give up a lot of shots, one of them going to go in. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how how hockey goes. So. I would uh I would I would look into that, but I thought Jordan Jordan Bennington played extremely well last night. Uh, made some really really nice saves, and uh, unfortunately the Blues couldn't get enough in the power play. Couldn't get any in. Didn't get any shots on goal the first couple of them. So, you know, looking forward to some things you got to figure out and correct. That might be a couple of things you can look at and say we can we can be better in these areas. We probably win that game. Jordan Bennington just carried them in yeah. that entire game. The fact that they were able to keep hanging around. You're talking about how much they were outshot by the fact that. They were able to hang around with the Dallas Stars. We know how good this team is. We know a lot of the national pundits have the Dallas Stars to do really well this season, and the Blues were hanging around with them. Jordan Biddington was the reason for that. I also looked at some of the other things. I think we kind of see defensively what they're trying to do here with mm-hmm. Weber and what Barubi wants, the way that they were able to kind of nullify the middle of the ice and really just do a great job on the defensive do- zone of limiting those high-danger opportunities. And if you even looked at that, Jamie, Ben goal, it was kind of fluky, right? Because it bounced off a Tyler uh, Tucker and then the post, and then it went in. And other than that, I thought that there was a lot of positives to take away. They were really able to hang around. And I liked to, did you guys see with the PK? Because that was a concern Mm -hmm. last season. That looked like an improvement too. Oscar Sundquist has a is a big part of that. The way that he was able to lay it all out there, I think it was the last 42 seconds uh, in overtime. Did you see that? Where he was laying it out. They had like three block shots there. Right, yeah. 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 I, I was mildly disappointed with the goal that was overturned uh, mm-hmm. because of an offside. I don't know what Colton Pareko was doing. Standing mm-hmm. between the shooter and there's a guy in the crease yeah. right in Biddington's face. And you would think that you would rather than go for the shooter that you'd try to clear out the crease. Now, I know Jordan Biddington has that ability to do that himself, but it seems like there should be somebody back there with him because that that guy inevitably, is that that's the guy who has the, the puck bounce off his butt and it goes into the net. Oh, you say, are you saying that you've seen that before? I've seen that before, yeah. Uh, I would, with Pareko? Yeah, I've yeah. seen that. So uh, that you, you'd familiar. hope that they can get things like that straightened out, but it's only game one of 82. Game two tomorrow night, Seattle Kraken in town for the Blues home opener. We're going to give you details on what's going to go on tomorrow during the course of this show. Meanwhile, last night, the NLCS was determined. Philadelphia over Atlanta by a score of 3-1. to one. All the scoring taking place in the middle innings in this one. Austin Riley homering for Atlanta in the fourth inning to give the Braves the lead. But Nicholas Castellanos came back in the bottom of the fourth to tie it at one apiece with his home run. Trey Turner with a long home run, 403 feet, making it 2-1 in the fifth. And then in the sixth, Castellanos, with the way the Philly bullpen has been going, pretty much put this one away. Castellanos, high fly ball, way back. 
Castellanos makes it three to one. Spencer Strider is out. A two strike, 100 mile an hour fastball, and Castellanos finally squares it up. That's just some good hitting and then some great pitching by Philadelphia as Ranger Suarez started and then their bullpen shut Atlanta, the best offense in Major League Baseball, down for the rest of the game. That's uh, that's exactly what happened. I mean, we, we've been talking about it with specifically the Dodgers, two of your superstars not showing up in those big moments, and that's what it felt like happened with the Braves in this one. And we know how powerful they are, but you didn't see that power displayed in this series. And honestly, I know that it's something that happened outside of the game, but I feel like that Orlando Arcia stuff just really shook the Braves, and they never recovered. Do you see mm-hmm. all the videos coming out of Arcia in the dugout where people were kind of chanting at him, and he was like, instead Shaking. of looking at the game and focusing on that he was reacting to the fans you can't let them get to you like that and you could tell that they weren't able to really kind of recover from that mentally and then did you see the Phillies in the clubhouse afterwards their the shirts yeah they have yeah. the Attaboy, Attaboy Harper, Harper yep, and then on yeah. the back it says he wasn't supposed to hear it how in the world did they get those ready so quickly pretty cool yeah that's uh that's like their version of the rally squirrel there you go yeah I, you know I, I I told I tell people all the time sometimes when outside factors start creeping in, mm. you start forgetting what your purpose is. And, and as you said, when you are so focused on what's being said as opposed to what's in front of you, you you're 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 out of it. And that Braves team, they looked out of it. The, there was a key point in that game, and, and I texted you all mm-hmm. this last night. You you bring in your closer in the bottom in the top of mm-hmm. the seventh. To get the to, to to get out of that inning because you may not get to your closer if you don't get out of that inning. Like you have to be able to Throw the sheet away. Throw the mm-hmm. analytics part away. Department, hey, you don't know about this here. Step aside. This is our time. Let us take care of this. And I thought it was a fantastic job bringing your closer in to, to get that final out. Um, it helps if you can bring in an all-star from the year before to follow the closer. and then, That helps. Yeah, and then close out with a 100-mile-an-hour 100, 100 rookie. Well, I, I, I was I, at that point. And, and, I was thinking but, maybe they let Kimbrel go get seven outs. I don't know. That's it, the thing. It didn't can, matter. Can, can Ollie just to, to localize this? Ollie can't do that. Ollie can't bring in Helsley in the seventh because then everything will blow up everything in the eighth goes, and ninth, yeah. right? You, you have to be able to have guys that can perform in those moments. I thought that was a spectacular job for the Phillies to get out of that inning to not allow any runs and. You know, it allowed them to win that game, and that team is is playing so well right now. They are on fire. They just they they look like a fun group of guys that that enjoy playing together yeah. and enjoying this moment. Philly, Letting Houston, guys a re- be who they want to be, yes. right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, and, and a rematch would be really fun. Not that I want to uh, denigrate what's happened with Texas. They're they're a fun little team, and Arizona that that'd be a great story, but. The best thing would be a rematch, wouldn't it? I, I mean, agree. in terms of just the baseball part of it, the, just watching the games, I think the the Astros and the, and the Phillies would be fun. A Thursday night football, Chiefs over the Broncos, 19-8. to eight, Only one touchdown scored in this game. And guess who threw it? He is phenomenal in the red zone. He goes the other way, caught for a touchdown. Kadarius Toney. That was the only one. Russell Wilson was not great. If you didn't see this game, you didn't miss much from Russell. Uh, he's He looks like he's about ready for the home game. Uh, 13 <laughs> of 22, 95, 95 yards. Uh, one touchdown, two picks. You can wake me when this one is over. That was a oh, man. snooze fest. The highlight was... of the night was a Kelsey catch and Brittany Mahomes uh, hugging Taylor uh, Swift. That was the highlight. That, there was nothing there. <laughs> nothing to see here. No. It, it was just a game. I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was a good game. Uh, Kansas City 
they're five and one, but they don't look really good. They haven't looked great offensively yet. And so that should be a little bit of concern when they do face against a team that can actually score some points and can actually play some better defense. Um, the Broncos are terrible. And I, I hate to continue to beat a dead horse, no yeah. pun intended, uh, but they are terrible. They are not a good football team. They are, they're just there. And I don't know how you got to this point with that mm-hmm. defense, which was really good last year. Started struggling towards the end of the year. They can't stop anybody. Your quarter in the NFL in 2023, your quarterback throws for 95 yards. Mm-hmm. How is that possible? Yeah. You almost have to <laughs> be trying to not throw for more than 100 yards yeah. at this point. Yeah, it, it's it's really bad. And you know what, Kerry, uh, uh, you, you mentioned that. The Chiefs don't look good. You ever seen those videos where the lion is kind of pawing at and toying with a wounded Blessbach? I think that's what the Chiefs are doing with the rest of the league. I think they're just toying with the rest of the league, ready to kill them. Sorry, what was that word? A Blessbach. Have you ever seen the Blessbachs at the zoo? This is a word I've never heard. I'm looking at This is amazing. Is that an antelope? Well, the king of the jungle. Yeah. How do you spell this? B O C K. Oh, bless Buck. I have seen it. Just like okay. an antelope yeah. with, like, oh, with like, I've the seen black, this. like the black coloring and that stuff. Yeah. So the lion is just it's no wounded idea. and it's not going anywhere and the lion's just pawing at it like it's it's gonna it's kill it eventually. Yeah. Sure. And that's what the Chiefs are doing to the rest of the league. That's that's what they were doing last night. They were distracted and just had they were probably looking up in the box and hey, uh Kelsey, cute girlfriend, and stuff like that, and just goofing around, and then we're gonna win. It doesn't but matter what. But she's been around now for. Quite I know, a few but it's Thursday night, and it's the Broncos. I mean, but you're, if you're playing the Broncos, you're gonna you you need to be distracted. You're I mean. saying the Chiefs are gonna getting bored too in that they're game. They're like, oh yeah. wait, basically, oh, the Chiefs yeah. better get unbored because they don't look great. And so yeah, wait, wait till they see a team that. Uh, yeah. Well, they don't have rise. anybody. I mean, they got the Chargers, the Broncos. They got Miami in Miami in three weeks, and that's in at London 8:30. at eight thirty in the morning. Oh my god! And then yeah. they got the Eagles right after that. That that'll be the uh, well. They got a bye week after that, but those two games would be two games you gotta you'd be able to pay attention to. Yeah, yeah. and CD, you were talking about this earlier in the week, but it just doesn't seem outside of Tra- Travis Kelsey that he has any other weapons to really turn to. Rasheed Rice Holmes. played. He threw him. He, 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 Rasheed yeah. Rice threw. Uh, he threw Rasheed Rice four times to. He threw to Rasheed Rice four times. He had four catches. Um, he may be starting to step up, but again, as you said, it, it is Travis Kelsey or bust for them. Isaiah Pacheco is running the ball really well. But By the way, we, we have like a stellar triple header for you on Sunday here on 101 ESPN. What, we what do we, we have? We've got the Browns oh, and Niners. That should be a really competitive okay. tilt. Deshaun Watson apparently with a bad shoulder that might end his career. <laughs> uh, <laughs> then you get the Raiders and the Patriots. The Josh McDaniels Bowl, that one's at 3.05. And then you've got the Bills against the Giants on Sunday Night Football. (laughs) So are you saying like low scoring affairs probably? And what did you say about Deshaun Watson's shoulder? Yeah, Dan Graziano was on um, Unsportsmanlike this morning saying that Watson's shoulder is to the point, I guess they're going to play P.J. Walker this weekend. And they're concerned about that shoulder being able to recover. It might wind up being the worst trade in the history of the National Football I've, I've League. I've heard that massages might be good for that. Uh, they do work. Oh. Well. Yeah, he probably. Wait. Oh, yeah. he can't do that. At oh. the team facility. Did you just say that? No. No. <laughs> totally not. not At the team facility. <laughs> I forgot we were on air. <laughs> That's Brooke. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. Coming up, the Lindenwood Lions are back in action tomorrow, taking on Charleston Southern. We're going to talk to Coach Jed Stugart next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
Okay, Brooke, you have to read that text to you. So you open the door. So you have to read the text. No. Yeah. I don't even know what you're talking about, Randy. Yeah, this is like court. This is like, uh, okay, the, the witness <laughs> opened the door. Yep. Yep. Oh, what, yeah, this is in regards to Deshaun Watson and the shoulder injury. Uh, that, i got to find it yeah, real quick. Hold he's, on. He's going to be ruled out for their game Sunday. And Dan Graziato was on uh, un. Sportsman like this morning and said that this could be a lingering problem. This could be an issue that uh, affects Deshaun Watson perhaps for the rest of his career. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can look at that. Um, you know, there's techniques like I'm sure you can go to a physical therapist. I've heard that like getting a massage could help with that. Mm-hmm. And then somebody texts it in and they're just giving helpful advice too. They text it in from the 314 saying, Feel bad for Watson about the shoulder. Let's just all hope he gets a happy ending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. CD's just over <laughs> here shaking yeah. his head. Mm-hmm. Uh, BLIS, best listeners in sports right there. Yeah. We appreciate there you. Go. Yeah. Our yeah. studio cam is brought to you by our friends at the Air Alliance oh. team. So uh, if you want to just join Beautiful. us on the YouTube machine. All you need to do is go to YouTube.com. Well done. Brooke you guys, is, no, yeah, you we, guys are got doing. a sign behind us, though. You don't, we need to get yeah. a sign behind you. Uh, but if you're on the YouTube, you can watch us. Just type in 101 ESPN STL, find opening drive, and you can watch us whenever you want. You can even watch us recorded if you'd so desire. But uh, we are brought to you by the Air Alliance team. So thank you very much for that. Okay, Blues with a 2 1 shootout loss last night. Oh, and by the way, we we had trouble uh, connecting with Jed Stugart, the head coach of Lindenwood. They do play tomorrow afternoon against Charleston Southern, uh, and uh, so let's hope that the Lions can come away with a victory. But the Blues come away with a shootout loss to the Dallas Stars. Uh, Tyler Tucker, T-squared, T-sizzle. Uh, the uh, tuck, tuck point. point. Tuck, yeah, tuck point. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're workshopping this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, w- how was this start to the season for you? Yeah, I think so. Obviously, um, it's not going to be pretty this early. Um, I thought we did some good things. I thought there's things that we could work on. I thought Benner played a real good game. Um, kept us in. A lot of good scoring chances we, we let up against. So I think uh, he did a great job there. Pinner was fantastic. I don't think this uh, this team, if it succeeds the way it needs to succeed, I don't think it's going to be pretty. No. I, I can no. see what you're saying okay, there. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, you it's, know, they're they're going to not that they're going to win ugly, but they're they're going to be a physical team. They they aren't going to be the '80s Oilers, or for for that matter, they aren't going to be the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, with Crosby and Malkin. They're going to be a team that runs the opposition through the boards with their forecheck. Yeah, I, and that's what I think that you saw. That was the biggest thing is, I know it's just the first game, but seeing at least what they're trying to implement defensively with things and what Weber's bring to the table, what Maruby is wanting more. Obviously, you brought in some heavier guys and bigger guys, some guys who aren't afraid to literally put their body on the line. I think that even though he's a Ford, but Oscar Sunquist, I was so impressed with him all throughout the evening. I mentioned earlier the penalty kill that last 42 seconds in overtime, the way that he literally was not afraid to just take a mm-hmm. shot and was just laying it all out there that's what you want to see he was able well not just him but they were able to block three shots in that final 42 seconds to really help out Jordan Bennington because Jordan Bennington was doing everything that you needed early on he had 20 saves in just the first two periods it was mm-hmm. not easy for him but he really gave them the momentum to be able to try to at least stay in the game and come away with a point it was a it was a good game. Um, I think there were like I said, there are things that you can learn from and get better at. The power play wasn't wasn't good, uh, and and then the the number of shots on goal. Like I said, that's been a concern for my of mine for a while. So hopefully, 
you know, you look at the film, you figure out what you can do better to to not allow as many shots on goal. You talked about the the first goal that ended up getting called back uh, with Pareko kind of, I guess, in no man's land. They were on yeah. the they were on a penalty kill, but just figuring out a way to keep the number of shots and attempts on goal down because. Jordan Bennington shouldn't have to make 33 saves a night in order for your team to win games. And, yeah. and he made 33. He put you in a position to win the game, uh, going to overtime and can't win in the shootout. It's part of the game, but hopefully they get that corrected. What was Tucker thinking as Bennington was making those 33 saves? I mean, obviously for me, just be better. Um, this shouldn't be happening. Um, learn from them. Um, you know, try and limit them. Yeah, and that's a good thing. And hopefully everybody takes note of that, the, the veterans too. So you look at what you mentioned, Brooke, the, the new-look defense with what Mike Weber is trying to implement. What did the youngster Tucker think of the new system? I think uh, I think it was good. I mean, obviously we we were playing with different pairings um, in the third there, so it was good. We were mixing and matching, but I thought uh, we did a good job and we moved pucks, got them out. So. And I think the other part we have to look at is the opponent. The opponent was is a really good team yes. picked yes. by well they they were the best team in the central division last year and they're a team that's going to be really tough again this year now if you're going to win the Stanley Cup you have to play well against those teams but we need to point out that it is game 1 and we need to point out that last year the blues won their first game and their second game and their third game what you want to do <laughs> is ascend yeah. there, there's there's a spot to work from here we know where we're working from to try to to rise up and peak at game 83. I thought it was interesting. We, we've talked so much about the athletic writers, not Jeremy Rutherford, but the other natural writers mm-hmm. and what they're saying about the Blues. One of the things that I saw prediction-wise they had is that the Blues will not start out the season with any sort of winning or losing streak. They'll just kind yeah. of be there, in essentially. The Somebody yeah. said they won't win or lose more than two yes. in a row for the first, what, two months or whatever. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exactly what they said. But I think what Tucker said was exactly right. I mean, they... Jordan Bennington was fantastic, but it cannot be all on him every single game. We've seen that, and that's eventually going to wear him down. And that's not his fault. That's more of what the guys are doing in front of him. But I think that there were some positives to take away from Weber and what he's trying to implement there. I think if you also look at the way that they're able to nullify the middle of the ice, I mentioned that. Also, great job on the defensive zone and limiting those high-danger opportunities. And then you also saw the defensemen, Tucker included, just getting more involved offensively and really jumping into the play. Not that that they haven't done that before, but you kind of saw a little bit more of an emphasis on that. I felt like also offensively, they they turned the puck over a few times. I I thought, you know, there were a couple of times where it seemed like they were just being a little bit lazy with the puck. That was one of Jamie's key uh, points before Mm -hmm. the game, puck management, taking care of it. Uh, they, they, They turned it over a few more times than I think they would have liked as well. So, First game versus a very, very good team, a team that's projected to win that conference. So you can look at it and say, we, we hung in there. But you got to be, in my opinion, you need to be hungry. If you make it to, to the point where you're tied and going into overtime, you got to be hungry to win that game, not just get one, get a point out of it, win the game and, and, and get two points out of it. And if you're the Blues, if you're any good team, you can't have a 1-1 game in the third where you get outshot 10-3 in the third period. Yes. There needs to be a lot more intensity in terms of getting to the net in the third period. Ruby said that exactly. He said, you know, kind of so-so it felt like with the first period. Second period, he really liked the second period. And the third period, he was pretty frustrated with that. Now, I think you could kind of see, I don't know if they were gassed a little bit or something like that, but you definitely notice a difference there towards the end. But who do you guys think, outside of Jordan Bennington, Who do you have as kind of like the MVP of the game? Because I think obviously it'd be Jordan Bennington, but Mm co-MVP. Hmm. I think I'd go with Tucker. Tyler Tucker. Tuck Mm -hmm. point. 
type yeah. of point. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like he gained more confidence throughout the game. I think he's going to get better and better as he as he gets more opportunities. And, uh, you know, if if he's able to score, able to play defense well, he's going to get – I think he'll end up getting more time on ice. Will he make it to that top four defenseman? I don't know. Maybe it will take an injury or someone just really stinking it up. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I like what he did yesterday. I, I would like to see more of it. Yeah, I uh, agree. Jacob Verana played – I liked him as well. Yeah, eleven twenty three. He only had one shot on goal. Uh, we were talking about when we came in about – Jordan Cairo and Cairo led the club with six shots on goal. It sure didn't feel didn't like, seem it, like it, it at all. Yeah, no. <laughs> I missed those. In, in yeah. fifteen minutes, he had. Uh, hold on, I was wrong there. No, Cairo had six shots on goal. Yeah, mm-hmm. in, in eighteen nineteen. So it, it just didn't feel that. I, I'm with you guys. It just it, it didn't feel like he was as noticeable, but clearly he was getting the puck to the net. And I'm just trying not to. And we've said this about 20 times already, so I'm sure somebody will text in like, shut up about it. It's the first game. It is the first game. So I'm trying not to get too antsy about that. But when I was tweeting about the game last night, that was the number one complaint people had was just wanting to see more from Jordan Cairo. Yeah, he's the whipping boy. It's People just can't wait to take shots well, at him. Well, you... you- it's not about it's about how it looks though. It's about the the like when Verona's on the ice, you you notice it, mm-hmm. and you know that Cairo has the same amount of speed. He's a he's able to do similar things, but you it's not as noticeable, I think. And then you have the the penalty shot. I mean the uh, shootout at the end of the game where he doesn't even get a shot on the goal. That frustrates people when he's supposed yeah. to be one of your guys. You got to at least get a shot on goal. But if you look big picture, he had thirty seven goals last year. Yeah. Would you rather take your chances on him scoring thirty seven or Verona? Uh, I would expect Jordan Kyrie. Well, yeah, you have to because of the contract. He's never sco- I don't think he has 37 in his I career. I think he's going to score some goals. I think year. he is, too. But to your great. point, Brooke, I think that uh, it's it, – sure, it can be frustrating, game one, but at the end of the day, it, it is game one. That's what we have to look at is he's going to be fine. I don't, I don't have any problem with him. No. So it's, I, I might later, but, <laughs> but <laughs> we'll, we'll, right ta- we'll table that yeah. one for, yeah, yeah, for possible exactly. anger later yeah. on. And then yeah. he might become Randy's whipping boy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's- hey, I, as you guys know, I can find a whipping boy. <laughs> I can. Coming up on 101 ESPN, there are some pro golfers that are whining. Should they shut up? Jay Delsing is going to tell us whether they should or not next on 101 ESPN. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging beds. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Grimsley, 
Gary Davis, Randy Carricker, the opening drive, 101 ESPN, and it is uh, Friday the 13th. Happy Friday the 13th, kids. I don't like that. I don't think our phone's working. <laughs> did somebody walk under a ladder this morning? I, I did. Didn't. A, did a black cat walk in front of you? Nah, not me. Mm, we have oh, a black I'm not cat in our superstitious. You're not? No, Just a little stitious? Not, not, yeah, a little bit. A little stitious. <laughs> so not super, though. Okay, tell us about the black cat in your neighborhood. Uh, we have, uh, my fiance and I call it Murder Kitty. So oh, it's oh, like, it's a house like a few a few down sure. and um it's outside it's very cute i want to pet it but it is very Probably focused shouldn't. on killing things so then <laughs> in front of the house it will always have kind of either a bunny or a squirrel and we call it murder kitty and every time we go walk stevie our dog mm-hmm. um it just like just screams at it basically like it's like the cat murder kitty just screams at stevie okay. and we're like hmm. it's so cute i want to pet it but i think it just likes to kill things well murder uh, kitty it's probably yeah. hungry it's I think it just does it for hungry. fun, honestly. Oh, okay. That's yeah. a gateway. Mm-hmm. That's a real problem. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it doesn't eat it. It just murders yeah. it and That's walks what, away. Because it, does, it will just, if you walk by the house, there will just be like a dead bunny that it just killed or a dead squirrel. Hmm. It's so a, it's not hungry. It nope. just no. does it for sport. For the thrill of it. Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Very interesting. Gotcha. So anyway, it is Friday the 13th, and uh, you heard Jed Stugart didn't answer his phone. Jay Delsing didn't answer his either, so uh, I don't know what's going on with people. <laughs> but know. I will tell you that Bryson DeChambeau is upset because he left for live, and... They said, hey, leave for live. You might not be able to play in the majors forever. Well, the official girl world golf rankings <laughs> determined on Tuesday of this week that players in live can't earn world golf rankings points. And Bryson DeChambeau is upset with that. And he said, hey, we're some of the best golfers in the world. The problem, Bryson, is that you knew what was going on when you left the PGA Tour. And guys, I, I don't have any sympathy for these guys. They left for the money. If they wanted the money and the glory, they could have stayed on the PGA Tour. Well, you, you sold the glory for the money when you went to the Live Tour. We had to. We, we used to have a saying in, in Pittsburgh, and everyone kind of knew it. It was either you can win championships or you can get paid, but you probably can't do both. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where they are, the Live players. You can get paid or you can win championships, but you probably can't do both. And they chose to get paid. And now they won't be able to be a, a part of some of the championships. That That's what they play golf for. At least that's what we thought. They went to go get the money. But you have to understand, if they told you, you probably won't be able to do this, and you took the money anyways, that that sounds like a you problem. And now it sounds like you're frustrated because you can't get both. Mm -hmm. When they told you, you probably won't get both. I feel like they've been able to still get most of the glory and the things that they've wanted up until this point, right? Which is which is probably why they still feel like they should be entitled to to that. Yeah. And you will see Kepka. For the foreseeable future, you'll see Dustin Johnson for the foreseeable future. You'll see Cam Smith for the foreseeable future. The longest anyone is set up to play in all the majors is 2027. But, again, if they want to work, they need to, I think, have a mea culpa if they really want to come back and play in the majors. And they have to return the, to the PGA Tour and, as you mentioned, CD, give up the money. Because, like you you said, you can't have both. It's... Uh, it's weird for me to think about why these players can't figure that out. Which would you rather have? Oh, I think I would rather uh, play against the best, and I, I would rather have the glory. Because if I'm if I'm good enough to have a major exemption, I'm set. Right. I If I have $30 million rather than $230 million, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm smart enough to handle that. Okay. I, How about you? I'm probably going to. You take the money? Yeah. 
Here's the thing about the, <laughs> and, and Tiger. It is a lot of money. Yeah. Tiger mentioned this. If you go to live, you really didn't want to compete. Yeah, that may be it as well. I mean, and and some of those guys, like you said, some of those guys didn't have to take that money, but some of them felt like that was a better option for them. And you deal with it. It is what it is. You, but I don't think you can, can complain on the back end with frustration saying, hey, we're not allowed to do this. Well, you knew that going in, that that was a possibility. And now that someone is holding you accountable for your decision, you're frustrated. That's how life is. That's something that young people have to learn at an early age. If you make a decision, you're accountable for that decision. And whatever happens after that is what takes place. And these guys are... Grown very gro- I was going to say go. grown men. So they never learned that lesson. <laughs> exactly. Young Somebody texted in from the 217. Um, all the golfers that went to live sound like people who were never told no when they were growing up. Yeah, probably. That's exactly yeah, that's what it point. sounds play like. Because you you <laughs> I don't mind telling people no. Often. <laughs> so. It helps you grow. It helps you mature. And turn I mean, into hey. not a Karen, yes. which we have a lot mm-hmm. of Karens you out in the world. You don't, you don't expect things. You aren't entitled. You understand that you have to work for everything. And mm-hmm. when you make a decision, you are there are consequences for that decision. Exactly. And you, you, who do you blame? Who are you mad at? Wow, I took through $200 million and now they want... Well, well you but that. if you've never been told no, you're mad at the people that are telling you no. That's a, that sounds yeah. like a you problem, not a me problem. Exactly. Do you think that any of this has to do with... Did you see that the memo that was sent out by the PGA Tour about the, they'll be looking at some, some other investors as well outside yeah. of... Well, I think yeah. Congress is going to take their they're going to, they're going to slap the PGA Tour and live around a little bit the well the private investment fund. Yes. I, I don't think that they're the the Congress ultimately is going to allow that merger to go through. Ooh. Which will cause the PGA Tour to need to find more investors. It's the opening drive, 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got Take It or Leave It. You can get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. If you have a Take It or Leave It, send it to us, and we'll put it on the air next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Get your text in now, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO. Did you guys know that Aaron Andrews of Fox has a clothing line of NFL uh, logoed gear? And last night, Taylor Swift wore some of the Aaron Andrews clothing, a jacket, into the game. And Aaron Andrews had sent it to her with all the Chiefs stuff. Uh, and Swifty wore it in. Take it or leave it, Taylor Swift made Aaron Andrews a million dollars last night. Oh, I already like Aaron Andrews' stuff a lot. But yes, I'm going to take it. It probably increased the sales by a lot. I have those type of friends. Yeah. I was trying to figure out. Oh, yeah, you're right. I see the article right now about it. Because I thought there was also a bunch of photos of Travis Kelsey, like, going and getting the jacket, too. Hmm. I look. I'm not searching for these things. It's just uh, everywhere. I promise you, I'm not just like. My other take it or leave it was going to be take it or leave it. You would have never believed that TMZ would be all over Kansas City. 
Oh. <laughs> they're probably like, they're probably like, we got to go to Kansas. I'm kidding. Kansas, I, was, I just no, had to do the Kansas joke. Kansas, Kansas, Kansas. That's where they're, yeah, that's where they're yeah. located. That's uh, where they play. Yeah, uh, they're probably just confused as everybody else. But I, yeah, Aaron Andrews, the sales are going to go up, so I probably need to go in and get my Tennessee Titans jacket. Yes, you do. Oh, good luck with that. Do you want I, something too, CD? I'm okay. I, I don't. I don't. We'll get you a Chiefs windbreaker to match T Swizzle. Yeah, I'm, I'm Taylor Swift out. <laughs> How many weeks is it now? Take it or leave it. Uh, can we? Can it be over? Two. It's like four. No, it should be over by now. No, I think that they're serious. This, they're, they're very are not serious. serious. Taylor Swift has been around for what? Since she was 16? No, it's uh, so years. Oh. She's been big. She just happens to be in the NFL right now. She got her start here. I don't know if I've ever told this story on the air, but she came and she performed in our stairwell uh, when she was like 14 years old for our general manager, John Kioski, and our former WIL music director, uh, Danny Montana. And one of them, I won't say which one, said, ah, she's not great. And the other one said, she's great. We're going to put her music on the air right now. They put her music on the air at 14, first station in the country to do so. And it just took off, took off. And we've got a thing right outside our yeah, I've seen uh, it uh, thank you from uh, from Taylor Swift, a picture. So she comes in about a year later, and John Kioski's at one end of the hall. She's at the other end of the hall, and she's like 15 or 16. And she runs down the hall and gives John Kioski a big hug and thanks him for being the first stations to put her on the That's air. That's awesome. That's so nice. Yeah, very nice. So very sweet. That is. So I'm I'm looking at this schedule of games for this weekend. The Bears uh, take on the Vikings at home. Take it or leave it. You get 25 points scored total in that game. Bears oh. Vikings. Yeah. No Justin Jefferson. I'll take the it. Bears are yeah. The Bears are the Bears. 14 Ooh. 13. You know the 14 uh, 10. Uh, Justin Fields is tied for second in the league in touchdown passes. I'm going to yeah. leave it. Here's the thing, Randy. He threw. Ten passes, I believe, to DJ Moore last week. Mm-hmm. Seven of them were hitches. Three of them were goes. I think an NFL cornerback and a defensive coordinator can stop that. I think. Just get the ball hitches, into the guy's hands. Well, but the hitches were the the defensive back for the Commanders literally whiffed on trying to knock the ball down three times, and he got 30, 40 yards. Yeah, so on those uh, then I'll definitely leave it because Minnesota's not going to stop him. Oh, well, okay. Well, you got a point there. Did you see, by the way? It's unbelievable to me, the leaders for touchdown passes in the National Football League. No surprise uh, for the top guys. Uh, Okay, let me get to touchdown passes here. Okay, so with 13 touchdown passes, Kirk Cousins leads the way. Russell Wilson has 12. Second, oh my second, God. second in the league. That's after last night. (laughs) Then Mahomes. Two wins between them. Mahomes and Josh Allen and Tua. And also there is Justin Fields. Hmm. Crazy. That's like three wins between those guys. Yeah, <laughs> not great. Four well, you wins. just mentioned there a uh, guy that I want to talk about. Take it or leave it, guys. Uh, the Broncos should just bench Russell Wilson for the rest of the season. Trade whatever players that you can before the di- the trade deadline, and just completely hit the reset button. Uh, I'm gonna leave it. They're not gonna. Re- they they won't bench him. They'll trade him. Move him? Who's going to trade for him? I don't know. That's a great question. What do you even? Where does Russell Wilson go from here? Um, where's Sierra know. from? <laughs> Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Atlanta. So there yeah. you go. He goes to Atlanta. Just to hang out? Yeah, just to hang out. The, the, Atlanta could use a quarterback. Uh, they could use one. They, they would want one that's better than Desmond Ritter. <laughs> He's better. Is Russell, let me ask you, is Russell still a future Hall of Famer? 
He was on the borderline. <laughs> He'd never been an I MVP. He was on the cusp of being a Hall of Famer never prior been, to yeah. leaving Seattle. Right. He's, These last two years have not done great for Quarterback no. that starts two Super Bowls and wins one. Pretty good. But never got an MVP vote. Right? Was never really, even though he was really, really good, was never considered the best guy in the league. Unfortunate that he was playing with Brady and Manning in the league at the same time. I don't think he is a Hall of Famer. I think that that group of voters, that, I think they'll turn him down. You said something. There, there's another quarterback that I think kind of fits that mold. That would be Ben Roethlisberger. Been to two Super Bowls. Well, he, got, he won two Super Bowls. That's been the to thing. Three, if you win two, two. Yeah. If, okay. Everybody who's ever started three Super Bowls is in the Hall of Fame. And the only, the only guy who's won two and isn't in the Hall of Fame is Jim Plunkett. Hmm. Sorry if I messed up a fight question there. Uh, Matthew, what do you got that for us on really the text line? That would be really funny if that just happened. He's I had a fight question for you that Rock didn't want to use. I thought it was pretty good. Let's use it right now. You going to use it? How do you know I'm not using it? I don't know. I know when I gave it to you, you looked at me like I was crazy. How do you know I just didn't put it in my pocket? All right. Maybe oh. it's for later. By the way, I've been getting some um, uh, trivia question suggestions from listeners over Twitter. Good. Uh, all terrible. <laughs> oh my god I'm so glad Horrible. I'm so glad so you bad. all have my been, god. I'm so glad you all get a peek behind the curtain and get to see what we see every Terrible. day <laughs> Th- I appreciate shot, it but I appreciate it but do a little bit better <laughs> can you give us an example of one uh, yeah who was the first person that Albert Pujols hugged after his 700th oh, that run? is kind of terrible oh. it's a terrible okay. question that's a terrible question somebody just yeah. cried because we were all Good like oh Lord. Uh, <laughs> if I'm it sorry. can't be easily, like, like, I'm not saying I want it like be like cheatable, but like it should be like be able to be found with a Google search. That isn't like what are the images here? Who's who is that person? Is that the first person you hugged? Let me go watch the replay. No, uh, come on. This should sorry. be a stat. Uh, yeah, yeah, it should be. <laughs> should yeah, be yeah, exactly. Take it or leave it. The only thing they're serious about is making money. Period. I who? believe he's referring Who's to the Cardinals. It? Oh wait, how did we get? Are we what? sure? Huh? Ooh. I think I'm gonna leave that. Hmm. Where is this one? That's They don't say oh, who they're talking four? about. Yeah. No, it just says, do you, no, you think I just omitted it? No, it's the only oh. thing The only thing they are serious about is making money, period. Here's the thing. If the they could be talking about the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they could be a Bob Kraft joke before that, man, yeah. but that was like, that was like 30 NFL. minutes ago. If, if the Cardinals only wanted to make money, they could do what Pittsburgh does and reduce their risk to nothing by just not paying <laughs> anybody and getting revenue sharing. You, Didn't you say they were going to win the World Series this year? Yeah, but uh, who? The Pittsburgh Pirates? Yeah. Yeah, but their risk was nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so so anything that they did. Yeah, yeah exactly. You, if you don't, if you're only, if you're a major league owner and you're only interested in making money, you don't pay anybody. You do what Miami did for years and mm-hmm. you pocket the money. You do mm-hmm. what Pittsburgh has done for years and you pocket the money. There is revenue sharing to be gleaned. And you don't have to pay players. So if you're only interested in making money, why would you present any risk for yourself? That's why they traded for Hall of Famers in their prime, Randy, because Mm. they only care about making money because they would sell tickets. They don't want to win baseball games. Got it. Take it or leave it. Odell is the most overrated wide receiver in the league. Everyone praises him and thinks he's great because he made one great catch. Yeah, that's all he did. Kyler's film room would agree. Um, (laughs) I think he did have... He, yes. did, he did have the best first three years, I think, ever. Yes. Until he was recently surpassed by Justin Jefferson. Yes. He had a, he he was he was really good for a time period. Did you guys hear Jerry what uh, Jerry Porter Jr.'s trash talk to him in the end in the end zone when he picked off the pass? Mm-hmm. Apparently, he picked off the pass and just turned to Odell and just goes, "Go home and be a family man." Oh, <laughs> and oh. I was like, God, oh. that is some Jerry Porter level smack talk right there. Yeah, it happens.
It's life. That? You like that, Carrie? It's life. <laughs> Go home and be a so. family man. By the way, that texter said that they were talking about Swift and Kelsey. Oh. Oh. Uh, well, Maybe. that's even more cynical in my opinion. Yeah. First uh, three years for Odell, 91 catches for 1305, 96 for 1450, and 101 for 1367. Then in his fourth year, he caught 25 for 302 and really hasn't been the same since. Take it or leave it. If you just stop talking about Taylor Swift, it will all go away. Take it. Take it two times. Take it two times. Take it 50 times. Take it every time. No? I don't think you can get the whole world to stop talking about it. It's the thing. They, they forget had, about uh, it. They, they had Brittany Mahomes on the first thing I see when I open <laughs> up ESPN and go to the football. Hey, come on. And then just get Jackson and we can Jackson Mahomes and we can have a party. Let, let's let's see how that goes. I don't think he's allowed to be in the public eye at this moment because of some mistakes that he has made. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so. some big mistakes. Take it or leave it. Missouri's defense shows up in Lexington this weekend. They win 38-17 and make a statement. Leave it. Yeah, you don't, you don't believe that. I don't. You're right. Be honest. I want your honest <laughs> take do, on I Missouri. Do. I, I, no, I don't know. I, I mean, right. I think defensively they they they're they're okay. I think they lost to the uh, to the Tigers of um, who did they play last week? LSU. 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 Mm-hmm. They played a lot of Tigers this year. Yeah, they played yeah. the Memphis Tigers. Yeah, LSU they Tigers. They don't get Auburn games. though. They don't have the Auburn Tigers or Clemson. Or Clemson. Okay. Well, thank God we don't get Auburn again because we saw what happened. Had him. Had him. Yeah. Just hang on to the darn football. <laughs> I hate Auburn so much right now. Uh, take it or leave it, freaking Trey Mason. Take it or leave it, Bennington is a Vesna finalist. I'll take it. Do you? Ha- what, what? Does your team have to be good for that to happen? Like, do you have to have a, a good yeah, helps, playoff yeah, record? It, it helps to, uh, you know, it, the don't vote is be, taken at the end of the regular season. Right. So based on how well your team performs mm-hmm. also is taken into consideration. Right. Top three, you said? Yeah, just, that, that, that's and, and it's the finals, based, yeah. best, based on best goalie. Yeah, but it helps if your team is yeah. one He's of the really best good. teams. Right. It's not the one that's based on stats, though. So you the Jennings Trophy see, is based okay. on stats. Yeah, so you can be because, kind of a worse because goalie, of the rest of the team. The, because of the rest of the team. Yeah, because exactly. if he's doing what he did last night and they still lose. Yes. I mean, but if I'm he only allows answer. one goal in regulation every single game, that's probably not going to happen if you're giving up 34 shots a goal. But yeah, a your game. team still has to win, right? I would think. To get that mm. attention, consideration. Okay, I'll take it. And then, well, if you go 500 and you only score one goal each game, then your offense is pretty bad. Or you only score two goals, even. Take it or leave it. The NHL overtime rules need to be adjusted. There just seems to be no sense of sudden death or urgency they, they used to have. I'm going to leave that. Wow. You don't like, leave it. Really? You like the three on three? Love the three on three. I really? do too. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I like it a lot. Hmm. I mean, me. Eh, eh. I think everybody maybe, has their own tweaks to overtime. So yeah, they did. I think that maybe they're referring to the Blues kind of did look pretty exhausted by that point mm-hmm. but I still like that yeah I don't know I don't have a problem with if it if you have talented players you can win a lot of you want that yeah you can win a lot of three on threes I gotta read this one for Carrie okay uh, take it or leave it Taylor Swift is Delilah to Kelsey Sampson uh-huh. <laughs> that is that is did I'm sorry his hair off? That, that is that, that is a that is a misogynistic he, story a misogynistic text I'm gonna say right now did he cut his hair off? No, she's not. There's not. She's not gonna hurt him. I mean, she's he did pumping get, him up. He, he did get hurt. No, come on. I know, listen. I think, I think pass they are. Receiving yards. I think they are great friends, man. This is a great friendship that is gonna last a lifetime. 
It is it's awesome. Last. What about love that can last a lifetime? I, I don't think they'll ever be married. How about that? I'll take that. We <laughs> are watching the entertainment business at work, and there's nothing wrong with the entertainment business. They're in the business to make money, and they're in the business to entertain people. And a huge number of people are being entertained, and a huge number of young people are being introduced to the National Football League. The, the NFL loves it. The Taylor Swift loves it because NFL people that might not ordinarily uh, consume her product are being introduced to her. It's very synergistic and it's brilliant. It is. I mean, it's a it's a great business deal yeah. that they got there going there. I don't I don't think it's a. <laughs> did I, wait, did I you just, say business deal, yeah, not love? Nah. It's a business deal. There's nothing I wrong believe in love. It's the entertainment business. So there there's nothing go. wrong with it. it. Just just don't let me lead me to believe that it's more. Not that I care one way or the but other. Has one of them led you to believe that they it have more? No. no. So uh, don't worry about it then. I, 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 <laughs> don't I worry about it. Don't worry about it at all. <laughs> I don't worry about it. I, I'm not. Yeah. What they do in their personal time is not. I don't, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> Coming up on 101 ESPN, what <laughs> franchise could the Cardinals use as a model to try to return to the top of baseball? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's the Opening Drive's Fresh Take. Spending money actually does win every once in a while. <laughs> like that actually... That actually plays out. I mean, I want to be straight up honest with you. There are industry uh, front office folks who rolled their eyes and giggled to each other over what the Texas Rangers did. When Chris Young took over, uh, John Daniels out in Arlington and a former big league pitcher. I get it. He went to Princeton, but he's still he's still a quote unquote jock. <laughs> giggle, giggle. Tisk, tisk. They don't really know what they're doing. Because they played. If you played Major League Baseball, boy, are you biased. You, why are you doing this? Why are you making decisions? They have been rooting against Chris Young and the way the Rangers have done things. That is Greg Amzinger yesterday here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN with Brooke Rimsley and Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. 806 Time Check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And... That is one thing that the Cardinals, I believe, can do is get somebody into their front office like Chris Young is for Texas and have somebody who, in addition to Randy Flores, who is great at his job, who played the game and understands what players are going through. I get the impression, and it might be completely wrong because we don't see what goes on with the Cardinals, but I get the impression that, like many franchises, they treat the players as robots, as assets, rather than as human beings that have feelings and issues in their lives. And I think... Two of the things that Texas has done is in bringing in Young and Bruce Bochy have been very effective. The other thing, in addition to signing the free agents to fill in where they needed help, especially with the rotation, they've done a great job of getting young players like Jonah Heim, like Josh Young, up to the like Evan Carter to the the major leagues. Did they go out and sign Simeon and Seeger for tons of money? They did, but. There are as many good young players that the Rangers have that they've supplemented with as there are veteran players. The big difference, though, between Texas and St. Louis is that 
Texas went out and signed Jacob deGrom. They went out and signed Nathan Eovaldi. They went out and signed John Gray. They went out and traded for Max Scherzer. They went out and traded for Jordan Montgomery. They have really supplemented a pitching staff that needed it rather than just sit idly by and watch everybody else do it. And also bringing in Bruce Bochy. I mean, if you're looking at, if we're talking about the model that the Cardinals should follow, I 100% agree with Greg Amsinger because, I mean, this has to be a pretty quick turnaround. How many times have the Cardinals mentioned going into this offseason that they're not just looking ahead to 2025 and so on, 2026, 2027. They want to be a quick turnaround next season. Bruce Bochy was able to do that with the Rangers. A 22-win turnaround that you were able to see during the regular season and just the energy that he was be, was able to bring in his first year as a manager with the Rangers, I think I, there's a lot that is that I feel like there's a lot to that. And also the coaching staff that he brought in, the fact that you know the Cardinals lose Maddox and all of his experience as a pitching coach, and then he takes that over to the Rangers. Jordan Montgomery mentioned he likes working with Maddox and has followed him around. It seems like they know how to push all the right buttons and have been there, done that. That experience has paid off. But Brooke... Bruce Bochy has a job and he's under contract. Where would a team like the Cardinals go get an experienced, people-driven manager? <laughs> well, I, I don't think it matters if they get that manager because they, that manager has to be allowed to manage. And that's what yes. happened with Texas. Chris Young was yes. brought in to bring in a manager that allows him to manage. Yeah, you, you have to be able to to do your job. And if you're not able to do your job, you're going to be handcuffed uh, by numbers and not allowed to do what you think is in the best interest of your team in that moment. Like what we saw last night with the Phillies, Craig Kimbrell coming in in the top of the seventh, it's not probably something that the analytics department would have put together on their sheet during the day. So being able to live in the moment and actually go out and make the play and make the decision, I think that's the that's the best way to go about your business. If I'm looking at a team to uh, model ourselves after, even though the Braves got beat down yesterday and, and they're out of the playoffs, I, th- I still think it's the Braves. Going out, signing your younger guys to long-term contracts, making sure that they are comfortable, solidified in their roles every single day, having guys play the same position, starting 140, 150 games, a year and playing the same position every year, not not musical chairs, not coming in deciding, you know, position roulette, figuring out how to where I'm playing today, picking out of a hat, knowing exactly where I'm going to be, knowing exactly what I'm going to be doing every single day. Uh, the Atlanta Braves have been to six straight, been to the playoff six straight years and won a world, won a World Series in that time. So that is, I think, the model that you would look at and say that's a that's a pretty good model. And they were 100 game winners the last two years. So. I don't think that that's a bad bad team to model your franchise after. If you felt like you had time, then the model would be the Houston Astros, who mm. are just smarter than everybody else. They went out and they had the foresight to understand that, hey, not every Latin young player is maxed out at the age of 16. So guys that nobody was signed. They signed Jose Urquidy to a bonus for $10,000. Their entire starting rotation last year in the World Series was older Latin players that I think the highest bonus they had given one of them was $100,000, and they weren't making any money. But are the Cardinals smart enough to do that? And do they have enough time to do that? No. So I'm going to, because I also don't think that the Cardinals are going to go outside the organization like Texas did for Semyon, Seager, Scherzer, Etc. Etc. Uh, Jacob Degrom. 
I, I agree with you, CD. I think the Cardinals, if they want to get better quickly, and I don't think it can happen next year. I don't think there's enough good starting pitching or pitching available in trade on the market this offseason for the Cardinals to turn it around. And they have to change their bullpen up, too. Need to, what, to get, get six new relievers, you think? Mm-hmm. You, Five got, or six you got an opportunity. You got three of them that are in the organization that can mm-hmm. be. Yeah. If you want to go that route, you yeah. three young guys and put them in the bullpen and say, "Hey, we're going to give you your opportunity. You're going to start here and mm-hmm. learn from veteran pitchers how to be a professional baseball player. Let's start there. Let's go out and and, and relievers. You don't have to go get a splash name, a big guy, just a guy that does his job consistently, effectively, and knows how to be a big leaguer. All of those things are important." And then you can go out and make one trade that helps your, your your starting rotation. Go out and make one push for a free agent that helps your starting rotation. That's how you change it and flip it in a year as opposed to two or three years. And the other thing the Cardinals can do to change things quickly is add to their coaching staff. Get veteran people in there. Walt Weiss, you talk about Atlanta, is their bench coach, former Major League manager, Tony Larusa guy was he learned at the at the feet of Tony Larusa in Oakland. He was their shortstop, but he's been a manager, been a bench coach. Ron Washington, former major league manager, over as a third base coach. Eric Young, senior, their first base coach, the best base running coach in major league baseball. Rick Kranitz, their veteran pitching coach, has been around forever. Their uh, Kevin Seitzer, veteran major league player who's been around, is their Atlanta's hitting coach. You go out and add to your staff with veterans that know what they're doing and that players respect and teach the game quickly. You can teach the game in an offseason and a spring training and make players better than they were last year. There's enough talent there. The talent just needs to be refined. Exactly. And that's what you're supposed to do, right, is maximize your talent that you have. Young, older, veterans, you know, the big personalities, the personalities that are still developing. You should be allowed to, or you should be, maximizing every aspect of that, creating a culture where that happens. And not just the coaching staff here. I don't think it would be a bad thing to supplement it and also add what you're talking about, Randy, some experience, but also at the minor league level as well, because someone texted in talking about Yes, getting starting pitching and pitching in general is important, but what about developing too? Developing that pit, that pitching for the future or mm-hmm. injuries inevitably happen where you have some other arms available. And that's why I know that the Rangers spend a lot of money. I would love to see the Cardinals do that. I think that it would just be nice to see some of that. That was some very smart spending that they did even though you hated to see that happen to DeGrom they spent a lot of money they were still able to really pivot through a lot of things this season and then you go get Max Scherzer at the trade deadline not available for this past series but will be available hopefully for this next series moving forward I mean the way that they were able to really navigate things I think one you can tell that Bruce Bochy was allowed to be a part of those decisions which Mm -hmm. is your point CD of really making sure that it's a full message that is communicated from the top down even down to the minor league system I think that's the most important part like the same words same message same we're, we're using the same terms throughout. Like have a cardinal way? Yeah, that, that, that's more than just a phrase, right? It should be. This is how we handle our business. These are the things that are expected of you when you make it to the big team, to the big, to the big leagues. You yeah. are expected to do this, and we're going to teach you how they want to, want to teach you and how they want you to be prepared when you get there. And regardless of what you as a fan think of the manager, the manager should be empowered to have a philosophy that is implemented throughout the system. They should be getting into a conference room during the winter warm-up or before spring training starts, every single minor league coach and manager and Ali Marmol and 
uh, Blake Ahern should be able to say, okay, here's the way we're going to play baseball in St. Louis. This is the way it's going. <laughs> wait, I was like, I was like, I was like, I was like, wait, did they already add a new coaching staff member? What? Yeah. <laughs> that man's on the wrong Memphis bench, Randy. Oh, wrong oh, Memphis oh, bench. Sorry. Oh, okay. no. But you're, you're exactly correct. And I think if you are going to follow, if you want to follow all the models for the teams that are left standing, I think that that's the commonality that you see is they're letting the managers manage and be a part of the product, not only behind the scenes, but on the field as well. Exactly. That is today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Joe Vitale is going to join us. Going to talk some blues hockey and other stuff here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Time for our weekly visit with the great Joe Vitale, analyst for the Blues here on 101 ESPN and one of the most well-read and curious people that I've ever met in my life. I'm sure the trip to Dallas was fun. Joey V, good morning. How you doing? Hey, Randy and gang, D- doing great. Not a lot of sleep last night. We landed about 12:31, and my wife's out of town. She's a, she's a bona fide hockey mom, right? We got a lot of hockey players in this in this family. They're in Detroit. So I had I had mom duty waking up at five thirty. So uh, not not working on a ton of rest right now. I actually backed my car up, hit my garage door this morning. Oh, but all, great. Not yeah, great. it's not too bad. I tell you what, <laughs> I hit the corner. I didn't hit the door itself. Looking at it right now, um, this is what, this is what happens when you're a little sleep deprived. But but anyway, no things are things are going great. Things are going great. How are you guys? Everything's good, Joey. There was a coach named Chip Kelly for the Philadelphia Eagles a few years ago. Now he's a sure. head football coach at UCLA, and he's all into the sleep science and says his athletes should get ten hours of sleep a night. I can't imagine in my entire life having nights where I got ten hours of sleep. What do you what, what have you read? What do you think the typical person should get in terms of sleep? This is crazy, right? I mean, first of all, ten hours. How does anyone find time for ten hours? You have you have that side of the spectrum, right? You have people like Chip Kelly, and I, I think Chip Kelly has done a great job. I think he's a wonderful coach. But ten hours. Um, hopefully, he's talking about college athletes because they do say, especially young adults, uh, you're not supposed to wake them. Uh, especially like my daughter, she's she's entering that pubescent age. She's twelve years old. One of our doctors told her whatever she wants to sleep on the weekends. Just let her sleep. Like kids, especially when they're growing, need a ton, a ton of sleep. So maybe he's referring more to the high school, college uh, kids, and of course, co- coaching all those college days. That makes that makes a lot of sense. And for a young kid, they have nothing really to do all day except so play video games, play sports for an hour, and then sleep. So I guess that does make a lot of sense. Uh, and then and then you have the flip side, right? Then you have uh, then you have people who who argue that how can you possibly be successful, or how can you ever do anything accomplished? that when, you, when you're sleeping a third of your life, you know what I mean, if that makes sense, where if, if you carve out 8, 8, 16, 24, 8 hours a night, that's a third of the day, that's a third of your life if you put that together. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that's the other side. You know, my dad, personally, he, he would sleep, you know, between 5 and 6 hours, and, you know, because he went to bed, you know, late around 9 with, with the kids, but he'd be getting up at 3 o'clock. He'd always stop off at the chapel on the way into the office, and he ran a concrete business. So he put in 12, 13-hour days every day. I never threw a baseball with my dad. I never shot a hockey puck with my dad. He was just a workhorse. So he, he worked, and he slept, and he ate. And that's all he really did. So And then there's uh, there's definitely that side. So, you know, I don't I don't really know, Randy. I don't know where the um, where the line is. I know Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison was one of the famous inventors of all time. I think he, uh, on record, slept about three to four hours. 
Uh, and when they asked him, they interviewed him about this once, said three to four hours, uh, why, why, why do you sleep so little? And he said his, his work uh, pushed him out of bed in the morning. You know, and I think we all, we all could love to have some work or something we do in our life. that We all, we all have a hobby or something just like pulls you out of bed. Uh, certainly for Thomas Edison, uh, creating, uh, I don't think he created electricity. That was, I think it was Ben Franklin who invented electricity. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he figured out a light bulb, guys. Uh, but Ben Franklin's the, the one I think credited with inventing electricity. So uh, we'll, we'll leave that for him. Uh, but Thomas Edison, he wakes up three to four hours. So I don't know. I think he's somewhere in the middle. Hey, Joey, I, I'm a big fan of Billy Joel, and I heard him say one time that he dreams songs, and he keeps a, a pad of paper and a, and a pen next to his bed because he doesn't want to forget it. So when he wakes up and he's dreaming a song, he writes it down before he goes back to sleep. Isn't that wild? That is so great, and that is so good. And I'm going to tell you something else to add on to that. I used to play, I used to kind of fiddle with the guitar when I was in my playing days and I was looking for something to do. Uh, my guitar instructor, to your point, Randy, he told me to do the same thing. He said, really practice things at night when it's quiet. And then right before you go to bed, um, lay the guitar down, go to sleep. But then right when you wake up, this is where it gets even more trippy. Right when you wake up, try to play that same, uh, that same lick or that same rhythm and watch how it just comes together. And I would do that. And, and it's amazing. Like, I'd be frustrated with this, this, this chord uh, progression, and I couldn't get it, and it was just a little bit sloppy. But I'd say, you know, screw it. Heck with it. I'm going to lay my guitar down. I'm going to go to bed. And I'd wake up. I'd pick my guitar, and all of a sudden, it just came together. And, and the science behind that is when you sleep, your, your mind begins to rest, but it's still working. It's still, it's still working through the issues of, of, let's say, that chord progression. So uh, the whole idea of when you're fighting with your wife, you're fighting with your spouse, or you can't figure something out, Getting a good night's sleep is perfect for that because your, your mind is actually starting to continue to work through with the loopholes about how to figure this situation out. Uh, ultimately, you wake up and, and you can figure it out the next morning. You know, the one advice I got when I got married was never, ever go to bed uh, mad at your spouse. But that is the worst advice I have ever heard because this is the science that debunks it. If you actually get a good night's sleep, you and your spouse can wake up the next morning and you actually are a rested mind and your minds have already worked through maybe some of the issues of last night. And then you can, you can, you can approach whatever argument it was maybe with a fresher state of mind. So anyone who's ever said don't go to bed, mad at your spouse, I think it's complete lunacy and uh, stay away from that. Agreed 100%. Joey, you seem – I want to talk hockey, but I, I'm, I'm intrigued to know this now. You, you seem so well-read and know so many things. So what is the most interesting fact that Joey Vitale knows? Oh, boy. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> Where to begin, CD? Like... I can go in a million different directions here. You know, I just finished this, I just finished this awesome book about Leonardo da Vinci. Um, and one of the most fascinating things that I, I look at the Mona Lisa, I've never seen it in person. I've never been to the Louvre in Paris, but, but they say the Mona Lisa, um, her, her, when you look in her eyes, uh, it looks as if she's smiling. But then if you look at her lips, it looks as if she's just like a uh, blank face, not, not quite frowning, but just not smiling. And it's one of those really, really crazy optical illusions that, that really has puzzled painters for so long so you know people think it's the Mona Lisa it's just a portrait of this lady I mean yes there's a lot of mystery behind it but what is so special about this and this is one of the interesting things about Leonardo da Vinci's Mona Lisa which I just learned so Leonardo da Vinci he was also uh he was kind of a freak like he was really weird when people died he like cut them open like he wanted to see what what was going on in their bodies 
Like, and at the time, like nowadays, people do that, and you're like, wow, this is pretty interesting. We're looking at like a human heart. This is how it works. These are the ventricles and all that kind of, you know, kind of jazz. But back back in the Renaissance days, like when people died, then he had this weirdo next door who's cutting humans open. People thought he was really, really weird. But he, he essentially went through the brain, and he found how the brain was kind of wired. And he, he saw how the, the optics were connected to eyesight. And, and what he did was he actually played a trick on, on the people viewing the Mona Lisa where he got to know the optical illusion of um, – uh, when you look at a certain uh, object, thing, things can bend a certain way, and then when you look directly at the object, they stop to bend. So it was it was amazing to learn that it wasn't just a painting. It was almost in his own way kind of an optical illusion uh, because he knew how the brain was wired, and he knew how the optics could kind of play tricks uh, on the human mind. So next time you look at the Mona Lisa, try it. Look at her eyes, and it looks as if she's smiling. And then, then look right at her lips, and then it looks like the opposite. It almost looks like she's frowning a little bit. So, uh, to me, Carrie, that's the first thing that came to my mind. I mean, I could go on for hours and hours about the different other things, but uh, but we probably should hit on the blue okay. no, no, First, two things. Number one, very compelling because if you look at the Mona Lisa, uh, it, it is amazing. My favorite, and we'll wait until we'll. My favorite Joey Vitale fact that you have is the coyote one, but to, we'll do that some other time. Oh, that's such a good one, though. Too. I mean, that is such a. A powerful one uh, for, for, yeah, we don't have a ton of time on it, but people look up, why why can't the coyotes go extinct? Uh, they tried it, they tried it, and I believe the late 60s, they had a huge coyote problem, and they basically had all these hunters go out and just poach on coyotes, uh, and it's something to do with the howl, and it's something to do with the next litter based off of the howl, but I tell you one thing, you cannot get rid of those coyotes, I don't think you ever can get rid of a coyote because of of the natural innate system that is built within them as far as their reproduction. Maybe that's why the Arizona coyotes just can't be killed. I don't know. Man, my mind was just blown. Hey, you're absolutely right. What organization has gone through more blunders uh, than the the Arizona coyotes with ownership and rings? I mean, they're playing in a college arena for gosh sakes, Randy. It's so bad. Well, Joey, I guess I'll ask you the boring question. Or not so boring, I guess, but maybe just a little bit after those incredible stories. But what was your first impressions or just impressions overall about the Blues game last night? Yeah, I tell you what, Brooke, I, I talked to Steve Ott about it. Uh, he confirmed what, what we wrapped up on the post game about. And, you know, what that was, was that was a solid game. That was a great performance. A lot of pride in that locker room. I know you're losing a shootout. But that was a great Dallas team. They're going to be a great Dallas team. The Blues knew they, they were going up against one of the juggernauts, one of the top ten teams this league projected possibly even to go off into the Western Conference Championship again. So it was, it was a big test. I thought defensively it was sound. Yes, Bennington had to make 34 saves. But watching from up top with Chris Kerber, these saves were for the most part from the outside. They're from the side. They're from the point. Uh, again, not easy saves, not taking anything away from Bennington, but they weren't a lot of these point-blank, uh, grade-A chances like we saw last year. I mean, he faced 7, 8, 9, 10 a game. Last night, I would say maybe 2 to 3. I think the Blues had more quality chances in the game, believe it or not, even though they were outshot. Uh, so there was plenty of opportunities for them to win that game. Robert Thomas missed an empty net late in the game. That would have sent the, the Blues home with two points and the Dallas Stars with zero. That was under five seconds to go. I think they could have gone up three or four nothing in the first seven minutes. I mean, they had that, those quality chances. Brandon Saad hits the post. Uh, Oscar Sundquist, net firm presence. He missed one uh, barely. So, uh, to me, the takeaway is that defensively, they made it a focus. Uh, it was great. It was a great focus in preseason. How would it translate to the regular season? It's right there. 
And there is a belief in this team now, when you play a team as good as the Dallas Stars and you go the distance with them and you are that close to beating them, there is a belief system in this group right now that they can beat anyone and they're, and they're ready to prove a lot of people wrong. Joey V, tomorrow night, the opener. How excited do you get about the home opener? Uh, not really excited at all, I'll be honest with you. I mean, it, it's a great game. I'm looking forward to it. But it's just like any other game to me. I think in some ways for players, it's a little overhyped. And sometimes they, they can get a little bit distracted. But I'm, I'm more excited about the early festivities. For all the fans out there, I'm going to be at Union Station with Chris Kerber. going to talk to Braden Shen around 4 o'clock. So please bring the kids. It should be great weather tomorrow. Bring the kids. Talking to Braden Shen. Tom Stillman's coming on stage. Uh, a couple other special guests, Bernie Federko. So we're going to be kind of hamming it up on stage at Union Station starting at 4. So get down there early. Uh, but the Seattle Kraken in town, I tell you what, it's going to be uh, another wonderful game. And it's going to be the first taste and the first look for these Blues fans to see how good this Blues team can play this year. And I think if they can play as uh, defensively savvy as we saw last night and have a full buy-in from this group, which I think they will, this, this, this season is going to turn a lot of people on their head. There's going to be a lot of surprise uh, experts, quote-unquote, out there that are going to be shocked what the St. Louis Blues can bring this year. You're the best, Joey V. See you tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You guys have a great weekend. You too. Take care. That is Joe Vitale, Blues analyst for the Blues on 101 ESPN with Chris Kerber. And now... Just, you can just spend the weekend being freaked out by staring at the Mona Lisa. We we should have Joey submit some fight questions. And it won't be oh, sports. Yeah. It'll just be random, random yeah. information. He, yeah. He's great with random information. <laughs> uh, we do have, that. Yeah, we do have a returning fighter coming back for the fight, which is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the Welcome back to the opening drive. I am Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter again for the second day is Rick. Rick, how you doing? I'm doing just fine. How about you? I am doing wonderful. Are you ready to take on Randy Carricker for the second time? I am. I did I did want to say one thing. Uh, when Joe Vitale was talking about the Mona Lisa, mm-hmm. we were in Europe, my wife and I, this summer, and uh, there, we have a kitchen bag that has the Mona Lisa on it. Right. And we looked at it. He's right. The eyes <laughs> look like a smile, but the lips don't. The yeah. mouth doesn't. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little strange. We, I, we were pulling it up in here as well. I'm like, hmm, intriguing. Joey knows everything. It's it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rick, here we go. The Phillies knocked out the Braves for the second consecutive season. The last time the Cardinals did this was in 2013 and 2014 when they eliminated which team both years? Was it the Atlanta Braves, the San Diego Padres, or the L.A. Dodgers? The Dodgers. Who is the only current Blues player to convert a penalty shot for the Blues? Is it Colm Pareko, Braden Shin, or Jordan Cairo? Uh, Pareko. The NFL record for most sacks by a pass-rushing duo is 39 by the 1989 Vikings duo of Chris Dolman and who else? Is it Keith Millard, Al Noga, or Henry Thomas? Henry Thomas. Final question. Who is the first running back in pro football history to rush for back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons? Is it Mary Montley, Jim Brown, or Joe Perry? Perry. 
Um, could you give me the answers again? Mary Motley, Jim Brown, or Joe Perry? Let's go with let's go with Jim Brown. All right, we'll double check that score, and we will bring in Randy Carricker. Rick, how you feel? Um, okay, not as good as yesterday. Okay, right, well, you know, hey, we'll see. Randy has to have the same questions, and we'll see how well he feels today. You were able to beat him, which was a really good fight yesterday. He he comes in now. One thing oh. about Randy, Rick, I got to tell you, he is uh, he is a fierce competitor. He hates losing, and so after the show. Yesterday, after he lost the fight, he opened up his encyclopedia of sports knowledge and just thumbed through it for the next 45 minutes to an hour and didn't talk to anybody. That's just I, a I knew that was going to happen, yeah. <laughs> it does. Randy, say hello to Rick again. Rick, good morning. How you doing? Good morning, Randy. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for listening, and thanks for playing. We appreciate it. Uh-huh. You ready? Ready. All right, here we go. The Phillies knocked out the Braves for the second consecutive season. The last time the Cardinals did this was 2013 and 2014 when they eliminated which team both years? These are bad memories for Clayton Kershaw. Although he's got a lot of bad pussies memories, doesn't he? So you think uh, maybe something happens in the playoffs for him? Something ha- It has to. It has to. It's like the figurine says, choking hazard. Oh, my. So uh, one year it was Matt Adams, one year it was Matt Carpenter as the Cardinals uh, took care of the Doyers. Not great. In 2013 and 14. Question number two. Who is the only current Blues player to convert a penalty shot for the Blues? I believe it may have been against the team they play tomorrow night in the opener. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that Colton Pareko had a penalty shot against Seattle. I'm going to go with that. I don't. I remember he had one. I, I'm thinking that he <coughs> scored on it. I'll go, I'll go with Colton Pareko. The NFL record for most sacks by a pass-rushing duo is 39 by the 1989 Vikings, the duo of Chris Dolman and who else? What's that year again? 1989. John Madden was in love with Keith Millard, who was a stud when he was healthy and good. I'm going to go with uh, 89. I'm going to go with Keith Millard. Final question. Who is the first running back in pro football history to rush for back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons? Mm. (coughs) I will do the lifeline here. Okay. Mary Motley, Jim Brown, or Joe Perry? I think I will go (coughs) with Marion Motley. I think I'll go with Marion Motley, final answer. Much like yesterday, we have a 3-2 to two victory in today's fight. It was a close one. Does Rick move on to a Hall of Fame appearance, potential appearance against Randy Carricker? Or does Randy bounce back from a bumpy Thursday with a win on Friday and go into the weekend as a victor, as he always loves to do? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Just win, baby. Well, Rick, sorry, Randy got you. He beat you three to two today. Well, it was a tough fight, but uh, I appreciate the opportunity 
to a play. Thank you so much for joining Thanks, the show. Rick. And, and you, you both started off strong with the first two questions correct, but then Andy got it on question three. The Phillies knocking out the Braves for the second consecutive season. By the way, it's the first time that's ever happened in back-to-back years for a team that had at least 15 more wins or 15 less wins than the, than the team they beat. The last time the Cardinals did it overall was 13-14 when they did, in fact, beat up on Clayton Kershaw and beat the Dodgers. The only current Blues player to convert a penalty shot for the Blues is, in fact, Colton Pareko, who again did it in January of 2022 against the Seattle Kraken. Very good, Randy Carricker. The NFL record for the most sacks by a pass rushing duo was 39 by 1989. Vikings duo of Chris Dolman and Keith Millard. The crazy thing about that is, again, 21 for Dolman, 18 for Millard. Al Noga had 11 and a half. Wow. That is a terrifying defense oh, to go again. That must have sucked in 1989. And especially because, I mean, they probably they probably faced 130 less dropbacks, I'm guessing, than right. like a team would face this year. Yeah. That's an insane amount. That's and phenomenal. the first running back in pro football history to rush for back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons is, in fact, Joe Perry, who did mm. it just before Jim Brown. Mary Motley, the Browns running back before, of course, Jim Brown, mm. uh, came up just a tiny bit short. Also, Steve O'Bannon, or Van, Steve Van, Van Buren? Buren, had... Two out of three had 9.54 the year in between. Oh. And so he com- comes up a little bit short. So Joe Perry, the answer there, a great suggested question by Kerry Davis and a guy with a long white hair? Uh, uh, white hair. White okay. hair guy. At, he, got uh, descri- he was described on our text yeah, line. At the uh, the autograph signing I had on oh. Sunday. He's the one that came up with the question. I'm sorry I didn't get his name. But he said, he said Randy won't get this answer. And he, yeah, he was right. It was a hard one. <laughs> he was right. I, I, picked, I, I thought it would be Jim Brown. Hmm. Jim Brown was he did it I guess like two, two years, years later. Yeah, two years later oh, okay. he does it. He, he starts did. the first of his yeah. two years in a row. <laughs> I was thinking um, Hugh McElhaney. Did he, did McElhaney ever have? That was the first the reason that I went. I, I would have taken if McElhaney would have been one of the the answers. I would have gone with McElhaney. Um, but, the list right now. He was I'm more not of a, seeing Hugh McElhaney on like the leaders see. in the NFL back that are the like who led the league uh, in rushing see. back then. Um, he had, yeah, he, he had, his career high was 916, so he never even had a thousand yards. Okay. So there you go. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, it is Missouri and Kentucky tomorrow night in Lexington. What does Eli Drinkwitz team need to do to come away with a victory? We'll hear it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. <laughs> It's time to feed the Tigers on the opening drive. This is the Morning Zoo on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by James Carlton of State Farm. Mention Mizzou to James when you request a quote, and he will donate $20 to Mizzou's preferred NIL on your behalf. CarltonInsurance.net. Kentucky lost their first games of the season last night or last week. Missouri falling, of course, to LSU, and Kentucky got drilled by number one Georgia, 51 to 13. And it'll be the Tigers and the Wildcats tomorrow night in Lexington, 6:30 on SEC Network. Eli Drinkwitz and his team did not have a great last couple of minutes against LSU. The clock management could have been better. How hard is it to be a head coach and manage the clock? 
Uh, well, at that level, it's not hard at all. Shouldn't be. <laughs> so I had an issue last year where our play clock wasn't set right, and we mm-hmm. had four uh, delay of game penalties. Not mm-hmm. my fault, not my team's fault, but just the clock wasn't running properly. Uh, so you shouldn't have many issues managing the clock. You should know you got about eight, nine, ten coaches that can keep you uh, abreast of what's going on, and you as a head coach should know how many timeouts you have, hmm. what the play clock is, what the game clock is, and exactly what's going on. And – that includes throwing the ball versus running the ball when you have a lead. Yeah, you should you should know. I mean, you know, sometimes so that part of it, you know, sometimes you're trying to get the first down, you need the first down. You would rather have the first down than than have them call a couple of timeouts and you didn't get any yards. But all in all, you should be aware mm-hmm. of how much time is on the clock and game situations. That's your job. That's the that's the job of the head coach. That's part of what led to last week's loss. Now, the defense had a really difficult time handling the running game, specifically the quarterback running, Jaden Daniels of he just, LSU. He just, he just got 10 more yards right now. Right now. <laughs> he uh. did. Tomorrow night, the Tigers are going to take on the ninth leading rusher in the nation. Ray Davis of Kentucky is averaging 7.2 yards per carry. He's rushed for seven, uh, 653 yards and 8 touchdowns. So... Eli Drinkwitz, what are some of the challenges when you face a guy like Ray Davis? Yeah, really good vision and burst. I think he's running faster this year than maybe even he did last year. Um, but he's now playing behind or is is going behind a really good offensive line that, that has a variety of run schemes. I think one of the things that, that makes uh, Kentucky a little bit different maybe than the word last year is the amount of variety that they're carrying in the run game. Um, and that's a, a challenge for you to fit because they have constant shifts, motions, um, and you're never quite sure where the ball's going to hit. And you know, even versus Florida, um, some of the some of the calls early were inside runs that that uh, Ray takes off the shelf and ends up forcing a one-on-one tackle and makes that guy miss. So uh, you got to do a really good job of keeping him contained. Yeah, the Tigers will have their hands full because, Brooke, they just aren't a great run-defending team. No. Well, you mentioned there what happened with LSU with Daniels and Giddens. It was a 274-yard performance from them. And so Mm -hmm. when you're looking at that, you're like, oh, there's some issues there that Mizzou's defense is going to have to fix. And you talked about Ray Davis. He is just off to an electrifying start this season. He's rushed 91 times for 653 yards, eight rushing touchdowns, averaging like 7.2 yards per carry. He's also caught 13 passes for 182 yards and four receiving touchdowns. Uh, yeah, I think, CD, you talk about a lot about circling guys and saying, okay, this is the guy you have to watch yeah. for. It seems like even though when teams do that, he is that good. Yeah, he's uh, leading the SEC in rushing and top 10 in the country. And so you are, you're looking at a team that needs to make a play on the ball carry. You, you, I don't know what color helmets they're wearing tomorrow, but if they're wearing gold, you, you want to, when that film stops, you want to see all gold, all 11 gold helmets in the film and making sure they're surrounding the ball carrier. First guy get to him, wrap him up. Next guy get in there trying to rip the ball out. You have to gang tackle when you're, when you're facing an opponent that runs the ball effectively as, as Kentucky does with Ray Davis. So that to me would be, the 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 main point when I'm looking at this film on on Saturday and watching this game on Sunday, seeing how well did they tackle the ball carry? How many people were in the film when the film stopped around the ball carry? Because if you if you make the assumption that oh we got a guy there he'll make the tackle, well a good running back will make that guy miss. He'll run through an arm tackle, and now what should have been a three yard loss turns into an eight yard gain. And now instead of second and thirteen, it's second and two. And now the playbook is completely open for the offense to do whatever they want. So 
that's going to be one of the key components for this team, for Mizzou on Saturday. Do they gain tackle? Do they get after the ball carrier and get them on the ground? What do you think is the difference? Because Mizzou's rush defense has been pretty good, not giving up a rushing touchdown until Vandy. But then, obviously, we just talked about what happened against LSU. Is yet, does that just the difference in the quality of opponent, just getting deeper in SEC play? It's, or was there more things exposed in what, that LSU what, game? With Jaden Daniels, when you have a quarterback that can run and pass, it gives you an extra person in the in the on the offense of of now your running back is not instead of seven instead of five, six on on seven as far as you know offensive line and and tight end and the running back now you add a blocker because your quarterback is able to do something as well it makes it harder to decide who are we going to eliminate how are we going to stop this team when the quarterback can run effectively like Jaden Daniels did last week it's just hard when the team when you're facing a running quarterback it just adds that extra element is he's going to pass it is he going to hand the ball off to the running back is the running back going to be the mm-hmm. lead blocker for him are they going to send the running back one way and now he's running the other way it adds another element for that opposing defense to just really dial in and do their job effectively every single snap yeah meanwhile the tigers have committed 45 penalties this year and that's one of the high numbers in the nation last week 11 penalties for 63 yards what is what is going on there, and what's the importance for drink in reducing that number? Yeah, I think that's uh, uh, been made aware um, to our team and, and a focus for our team starting yesterday. Um, but we got to emphasize it today, and uh, we, we've got a couple of plans in place in order to do that to to reduce penalties. You know, one of the things that we talked about as a team yesterday is we're at the halfway point of the season, and this is where we're at. And these are the statistics that have to improve in order for us to have the second half of the season that we want to have. And there's only about a dozen teams in the country that have committed more penalties than the University of Missouri. So when you are, here's the thing that drives coaches crazy. Pre-snap and post-snap penalties. Pre-snap, offsides, false starts, uh, misalignment, not enough guys, illegal illegal formations. Post-snap penalties uh, when you are, are going to uh, pre-snap and post-snap place, when you are hitting someone after the whistle, when you're doing things that, that take place, things that happen during the during the snap, holding, that's just an, that's a guy got beat, he didn't he didn't get the job done. You know, uh, pass interference, that's a guy got beat, he had to grab onto somebody. You can stomach those things, but the pre-snap and post-snap penalties are, are the things that uh, drive a coach crazy during the games. And Mizzou will have to cut down on those. They'll have to obviously stop Ray Davis and then Brady Cook and Luther Burden and Cody Schrader are going to have to do their thing. Mizzou is a two and a half point underdog at Lexington. Last week or last year, it was a close game between these two. Came down to a call, an accurate call, but a, a bad rule that was ultimately changed. What do you think happens tomorrow? I think Mizzou has a really good chance to hang in this game, but it's hard to win in Lexington, and they're a really good team. I, I would think that Mizzou probably falls here by less than a touchdown, but I think they keep it close. I think it will be really close, too. I think Brady Cook is the X factor there. I think that when Mark Stoops is looking at them, he's looking at Brady Cook, he's looking at Luther Burden. I think that this could be a really close one, too. I I don't know. I think the rush defense is concerning to me because of how talented Ray Davis is, so I have to agree. I think that Kentucky will win, but it will be really, really close. For me, I, I, I think Mizzou, if you score touchdowns, you put points on the board, if you are able to score you can so you can begin to eliminate the running game of the opposing team. If you put a couple of touchdowns on the board, a team gets down 14 to nothing, they're less likely to run the ball, and it puts the game more at your advantage. Score touchdowns, 
eliminate the penalties and not have the mistakes, take care of the football, and then you can eliminate, you can eliminate, like I said, the opposing team's offense with your mm-hmm. team's offense if you put points on the board. And if Mizzou wins, they're bowl eligible. Nice. Oh, oh yeah. Why? 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 Why, why, why does he not like the bowl games? He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't like. He doesn't like positive uh, mm. energy in mm. the atmosphere. Oh no, he doesn't. The not. secret is he likes, he's got a hold yeah, of. He he liked nineteen eighty four to nineteen ninety seven. Apparently. Ah. <laughs> how does that go? It doesn't mean uh, anything. It was thirteen straight losing seasons Eek. where you didn't go to bowl Going games. Going to a bowl doesn't mean anything. It's a it means, start. It means you won two games against legitimate competition. That means Mizzou won two games against legitimate competition Sorry, at this like point. Sorry, 90% of college football so still plays So you don't think Kansas passes. State was any good, huh? Yeah, you had a you slightly like more you, difficult you, schedule you just this hate year. winning. I don't hate winning. He, he hates <laughs> positive you, you, you would have preferred the, the, the team that lost 77 nothing to Oklahoma, No, apparently. I would prefer to root for a college football team that, that, that considered eight wins a, a good season and not six. Well, you should find another team to root for then because the Illinois problem. and Mizzou yeah. <laughs> eight wins. Man, if we get eight that's wins, that's our benchmark, Carrie. No, no, a, that's we're, the, we're dancing. That's the bar from now on. And, and no, also, it's Illinois not. got so changing close it. last no, year. No, yeah. it isn't. It won't. We're changing it. Okay, you we don't you just go to bowl games around here. We, six is normal, eight is good. Yeah, eight, eight is great. Can I just, yeah. move, it about, can I just move the bar up to seven, please? Well, you sure. can do whatever you want to yeah, do, You're, you're yeah, still you're going to a bowl game. Better about. be able to beat Kentucky on the road. Seven and five. five. You, get yeah. upgraded, you get upgraded out of the Liberty Bowl. Yeah. Is that, also, does seven, that help you with that? Seven yeah. is when my bet clears. Oh, okay. okay. There you go. Right. There we Over right. six and a half, baby. Let's go. All Coming right. up yeah. a Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Having the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a rush hour reset. The Blues dropped their season opener last night in Dallas 2 1 in a shootout. The Blues' goal came from. What's the official nickname we've given him? Have oh, we given I, him I, one? I thought Tuck Point. Tuck, Tuck Point Tuck is good. Point. Yes. Tyler, Tyler Tucker scored the first Blues goal of the season. The Blues four on two, bringing it in. Hayes had it poked off of his stick, goes to the blue line. Tucker shoots, and a puck bounces off a leg. Comes back to Tucker. He scores! Sammy Blay in front with the screen, but a wrist shot by Tyler Tucker finds the back of the net. And his second career NHL goal has tied the game for the Blues. 1-1, 17-23 to go, second period. The rest of regulation was scoreless. The five-minute three-on-three was scoreless. The Blues wound up losing in a shootout. Overall, Jordan Bennington had to face 34 shots. Coach Craig Berube, what about the shots against? After two periods, what was it, 21-20 shots? You know, the third period, you know, when you don't make plays and you don't, keep attack and you know the other team's going to come at you and they're going to have too much possession time on us in the offensive zone and that's what happened and the blues fell by a score of two to one in the shootout the home opener tomorrow night it's a six o'clock pregame here on 101 espn seven o'clock faceoff with chris kerber and joe vitale and oh by the way big pregame starting at four at union station do we have any concerns about one game like just no. anything that that stuck out that you say oh I didn't like that. Oh, I really did like that. Something concerns or, or compliments, I guess. I would uh, I, I would like to overreact, but I remember t- the team being in last place in January. Mm-hmm. Okay. I remember that vividly too. That yeah. was. Uh, I remember a team being in last place in 
September and wear red. Yeah, Carrie, you looking for a little casual negativity? Uh, no, I'm just asking. Okay. I mean, yeah, no, it's it's, no. it's 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 still a new coaching staff, and they the preseason is short, so mm-hmm. this team is not as good as it's going to be a month from now. No, hopefully. It- well, yes, hopefully. <laughs> then, then it will be having a totally different conversation. Yeah. And I, Maybe and the I, athletic is right. But no, we're not going <laughs> to let them be right about that, no, right? No. No, right. not whatsoever. If anything, I think it says a lot more about the fact that they were able to hang around with the Dallas Stars. And a big part of that was Jordan Bennington. I mean, Craig Ruby said it right there. He had 20 saves in after the first two periods. The way that he was laying it all out there, the guys in front of him should be doing a lot. Right. Like they Mm -hmm. should be raising their performance, too. But this is a really, really good Dallas Stars team. I think the big reason they were able to hang around is because of Jordan Bennington's performance. Positives to take away. I think you were able to still see kind of a little bit or at least see a little bit of what they're trying to do defensively with that new change. What Weber's trying to implement. You could also see that the defensive players weren't shying away from jumping into the play and even looking for some scoring chances. And that's how you got the Tyler Tucker goal. And even that Jamie Ben goal. That was kind of like a fluky situation. It bounced off a tucker, then the goal, uh, the post, and then went in. And so I wouldn't even like look at Jordan Biddington for that situation. And then the last 42 seconds, the, the, the penalty kill, that impressed me a lot. That was something that I wanted to see improve going to the season. I hope that that continues to grow. I think Oscar Sundquist is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. To me, my favorites of the evening were Jordan Biddington, Tyler Tucker, and then Oscar Sundquist. I could notice Oscar Sundquist out there even in his minutes but the way that he was able to really just quite literally lay it all out there that's what you want that's why Craig Berube wanted him back that was so good on the Blues to bring him back he's a physical player and he's not afraid he's a gritty player and it Mm -hmm. felt like that was missing last season good to have him back the National League Championship Series is set the Philadelphia Phillies eliminated the 104 win Atlanta Braves last night with a 3-1 victory that gave them a 3-1 win in the series Nicholas Castellanos becoming the first Major League player to have multiple home runs in back-to-back games what was it like after his second homer Really cool, man. Uh, really cool. Whenever you see that many people um, giving you an acknowledgement and a positive favor, I mean, there's not really a lot of words that are going to be able to capture that feeling, but it's special. Did you see his kid in the first row? His his 10-year-old? That was his son? Yeah. No, that was Aww. awesome. Yeah. I did yeah. see the kid going crazy yeah. in that Castellano jersey. That was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was fun. He's like, whoa! <laughs> yeah. So now it's going to be Philadelphia and Arizona for the National League pennant and Houston and Texas for the American League. And anything happens in baseball. We've seen it a million times. But the way Philadelphia is going and the fact that they have, have Wheeler and Nola set up for one and two, mm-hmm. and Ranger Suarez has been great so far for Philadelphia. Their pitching is all set up. Man, it's going to be hard to beat them. It's going to be hard to keep them out of the World Series again. Yeah, I agree. I, I, agree. I think it will be really exciting just to see how this all plays out. And, I mean, you even think about the Braves. They were tied, right, in Major League Baseball regular season record for home runs hit. And then the Phillies were out. They out-homered them 11-2 to in this series. There's just, like, a lot of things where it just proves to you that postseason is a completely different animal. And I talked about this earlier, but I think that the Braves just really, when they lost that whole mental game of you let the stuff outside of the game really take over uh that is where they lost it i mean mm-hmm. you saw arcia just really like he 
one, looked scared when Bryce Harper was staring him down he after the back-to-back jacks. Which I thought was a problem. And then mm-hmm. then you look at last night's game, and instead of just paying attention to what's happening in the game, showing that it's not affecting him, he was interacting with the fans that were heckling him. You have to just move on from it, because yep. if you're you're in a game, an important game, and you're more worried about the people behind you, you've already lost. That's why the Phillies already had the shirts ready to go that said Attaboy Harper. They knew that they won that game mentally, essentially. It was just time to finish the job. The Phillies have swagger. I, I like the Phillies. I, I think, you know, you made it to the World Series last year. You didn't finish the deal. I think they learned from that. I, I, I go back to the situation where Kyle Schwarber was attempting to bunt. I think it was late in that game against the Astros, and you're like, what the hell is he doing? I think in that moment, they allowed the moment to be too big for them and didn't finish. They were facing a team that had you know, had had success, has, made, has won World Series, and so they were in a position where maybe they weren't as comfortable, but this year they look extremely comfortable. They look poised. They look ready. They look like the team, for me, I don't, I don't know that the Diamondbacks, I don't know how much of a chance they have because the Phillies are rolling, they have home field advantage, and I, I'm, they're going to be my pick to win the NLCS and win the World Series. Yeah, Zach Gallen is going to have to come up huge for Arizona early on. So that is your Rush Hour Reset. Don't forget, you can watch us on our Air Alliance team studio cam. You can just go to YouTube and go to 101 ESPN STL. We would love to have you watch us and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And of course, if you missed anything today, you can hear Joe Vitale's greatness on our Dobbs Siren Auto Center podcast. That'll be on the web and on the app after the show. And don't forget, you can always text us on the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646 Yo-ho! Your initial impressions of the blues from last night. Next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Jordan Cairo skates it in right down the middle. Deke shoots and then he lost the handle, never got the shot away. A wasted attempt and the St. Louis Blues fall in the shootout. I thought both goalies made some real good saves. Um, you know, I thought we played a pretty good, you know, strong two periods. The third period, I thought we just kind of laid back a little bit too much. We didn't attack enough and uh, create enough opportunities. But, uh, you know, we battled hard. It was a hard battle game, hard, hard fought game. You heard Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues, with Jordan Cairo's failed shootout attempt, and then head coach Craig Berube last night in a 2-1 overtime shootout loss to the Dallas Stars. Really good team, and I think you need to look globally at this. And we are here focusing on one game, and it is the opener. But, as I told you guys earlier, if every trip into Dallas is going to go to a shootout with the Blues this year, I'll take my chances. I don't mind that at all. With the the level of talent that the Blues possess, I would, if you told, tell me every time you go into Dallas this year you're getting a point, I would take it right now. Yeah, and I agree because the Dallas Stars are a really good and talented team. And it's interesting because we already got you know a couple texts in that mentioned Jordan Cairo when people were talking about concerns of what they just saw in this first game. And you keep seeing Jordan Cairo's name being brought up over and over again. It is just one game, but this also kind of plays into, and thanks to the texter that brought this uh, to my attention, because we know how The Athletic just loves to give glowing reviews to the Blues, mm-hmm. 
and I'm talking about everybody other than, you know, Jeremy Rutherford always does a great job, but your favorite Dom, Randy. Dom decision, um, yeah, he's, he's a math, math guy. <laughs> Dom, Dom who? Your favorite dog. Sounds like you curse somebody. Anyways, yeah. um, they just came out with an article saying the NHL power rankings, let's overreact after the three days of games. So they are saying that they're overreacting, but to find where the blues are in their power rankings, I have to keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. At 25, here's the blues. And this is what they have to say. Uh, Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo stay off track for a second straight season. St. Louis was out-attempted, out-shot, out-chanced, and controlled less than 40% of the expected goals, while each of them was on the ice against Dallas on Thursday. Was that a overreaction? Yes. <laughs> did, did he say that the, the what what did he say about Kairou and Thomas again for a whole season? He said that Robert they... Thomas and Jordan Kairou stayed off track for a second straight season. Okay, that's all I need to hear. That's that. You know what? His name isn't Dom Lecision. It's Dumb Lecision. <laughs> and you know what? For the Athletic to hire him was a dumb decision. <laughs> uh, he leaves something to be desired. Now. Why did you, I would like to have him go further in depth into why he didn't like Jordan Kairou's 18 minutes and 19 seconds of hockey, in which he led the Blues with six shots and was even in the plus-minus department. Braden Shen was a minus one. Nobody's complaining about Braden Shen this morning. I uh, think Brandon I think... Saad was a minus one. Uh, Brandon Saad, uh, as opposed to the the Kairou six shots on goal. Brandon Todd didn't have one. I think the the when people watch Jordan Cairo, and this is important to understand, he is expected to be a superstar. And when you are expected to be a superstar, mm-hmm. when you're paid handsomely to be the star of a team, there are different rules for you than there are for other people on that team. That There are different expectations for you than that. You can't just be, yeah, 18 minutes, six shots on goal. But was it impactful? Did it did it lead to anything? Was it was he involved in in something that made it eye popping and say, okay, yeah, he's there? I think at times yesterday watching Kyrie, it felt like, yeah, he's there, but is he there? So there are different rules. Everyone doesn't play by the same rules when you are expected to be a superstar. My expectation, if I had a bad game, oh, I'm watching someone drive over the. Ooh, that was bad. They're gonna be stuck there for a while. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, my expectations, the expectations for me in comparison to Heinz Ward were drastically different. And that comes with the part of the game. So I think the expectations for Jordan Cairo are higher and he has to live up to, the, to those expectations and reach that the capability that he has. Did you ever get the sense that when you when Heinz Ward or Santonio Holmes were playing that the other team just didn't want to try? Because it seems to me that the other team's trying to defend oh, no, against they, a Gordon yeah, guy like Kyrie. That goes with it. I, I, it they are uh, trying. Yeah. yeah so there, it seems is, like there's somebody else on the ice, too. Yeah, there are other people on the ice that are uh, They're trying to prevent trying you from to scoring defend, goals. Yeah, but when you are a superstar, mm-hmm. that's not supposed to matter. And I, 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 truthfully, it doesn't matter what the opposing team try. Everyone every week tries to st- mm-hmm. stop Jordan, Justin Jefferson. They can't. No. He stopped himself with a hamstring injury. But when you are expected expected to be a superstar, or you are a superstar, you have that type of uh, 
Yeah, I'm still watching this yeah. car over here. The what? <laughs> they so, got out. Okay. What happened? <laughs> what happened? Over the, what is that called? It's not, what is it? A median? Is, not they, the it median, ran over the median? The, no. The parking space. The, 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 like the, the space bumper. Yeah, like the, the bumper yeah. on a parking it, space Oh, at the I didn't front. even see that. Oh, yeah. They were stuck in between two very, of them. Very and, and got out. That was interesting. You're, you're saying they're stuck like Jordan Tyree? No, I'm kidding. Brett Hull scored 86 goals in a season. And he still had like 15 games where he didn't score a goal. True. I'm not going to judge Jordan Kyrou's season it's, it's on the first one, game of the one season. Game. I'm not. I'm not either. But I'm saying the expectations are greater for certain people than they are for they are. other people. And sometimes yeah. those are unreasonable. It well, might be, but but you're, if you are getting paid as one of the top players on a team, mm-hmm. your expectations are greater than someone that's not. And that's what I was going to say is that. With the expectations, that's why you got that big contract, right? Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo got the the big contracts. The Blues signaling that they see them as the future. And also, you have them on your top line. So the expectations are going to be really, really heavy for Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo this season. I think it feels like Jordan Cairo even more so because we know the full potential. When he is at his best, we know that he can hang with some of the best guys in the entire league. And so you want to see that on more of a consistent basis. And we didn't see that as times last season, and hopefully we'll see more of that this year. What about the fact that the Blues did allow the 34 shots on goal? And granted, they spent some time in the penalty box, but uh, the, overall the, the PK was pretty good. I, I do think that this system is going to take time to yes. implement. Everybody liked the system last night, mm-hmm. but it's going to take time to implement to get them to be a shutdown defense. And as Craig Berube mentioned, too much time in the offensive zone for Dallas. If the Blues are going to play great defense, they have to spend time in the offensive zone. But that yes. was part of the the change of the defense, right? They were expected to be in their defensive zone a little mm-hmm. bit more time and, and the opposing team in their zone more because of the style that they were going to play. I don't have an issue with the time. I have an issue, again, what I said earlier in the preseason, if you're going to give up 34 shots a game, you're probably going to allow more than you know one or two uh, past, past your goaltender. So for me, the number of shots on goal is the more concerning part than the time in the defensive zone. I agree with you. I don't think Jordan Bennington should be expected to do that every single Correct. game. And he's very talented, but to put him in that position every single game, we can see how, and we have examples, history of where we've seen it unravel. Absolutely. And he's a guy that likes to face a lot of shots, but at least last night it didn't seem to me that there were a ton of high danger yeah. no. shots. Yeah. Yes. They're, they're, and that's on the defense, the and that's right. that's that whole new defensive system seeing that come to work is that you didn't see much of that. Yeah. So tomorrow night against Seattle, they'll polish some, some things up. And oh, by the way, they don't play until next Thursday after tomorrow night. So some of the things that they've seen over the course of the last two games, tonight, tomorrow to night, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they'll have an opportunity to get to practice and work on those. Yeah. So, hashtag LGB. There you go. And Let's Thomas. go Blues. We need <laughs> Stefan Kintal back. You, we need to get Dom on just to talk to us one day, All right? right? Okay, so uh, the, the expected goals are three points. Okay, uh, I, I ask the question all the time. Would you rather have a real goal or an expected goal? I, I, I like real goals. I do too. I, I don't know. I like I like expected goals because then you can make up any fantasy number, right? Well, you can true. just yeah. say, I yeah. don't know. This, yeah. you know, that's, I'm that's expecting. Can, yeah, that's what we can say about Jordan Cairo. I, I expect that Jordan Cairo is going to be a 50 goal scorer this year. <laughs> I, I do expect that. You just, you just think they're just pulling <laughs> expected goal just out, just like you know what? I'm gonna give that shot a point four, and I'm gonna give that one a one point two. I love that. just just Let's randomly. Do you think they're just randomly assigning shots, random yeah. numbers for no apparent reason? Forty-two goals. So Kairou. 
Okay, and expected goals. That's good. 30, 29 for uh, Verona. Are you talking about real goals okay. or expected real goals? goals? Okay. Oh, I like that. 29 yeah. for Verona. That, uh, would be, that would be a career high. My, my expectation is 40. For Verona or yeah, for my for expected Kyrie? goals for uh, Verona? That would oh, be a career okay. high by 11 or 12. I yeah, think? but last year in 20 games, he scored 10 goals. So, so if he you plays play 82, 82 40. 41. Yep. Yeah. Pretty easy. That's how we do stats here, baby. Just simple extrapolation. There you go. That's our math. How about that? Our math. How about that? Counts. You know, I wonder if Dom ever watches a game. Come on, Dom. Pick it up. Be better. That's all I got to ask you. Be better. better. Uh, Coming up here on 101 ESPN, controlled chaos. St. Louis City getting ready as we head head towards the playoffs, but getting ready to head down the stretch here, and then uh, we're going to win the MLS Cup. I have a question, though, for Matthew Rocchio. Very serious question. Coming up next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. They are playing with house money if they win the first series. That's how I look at it. If they lose the first series, I think that's going to leave a sour taste in everyone's mouth. You're still going to celebrate the great season that they had, but not have a knockout round game at home, then you're not really taking advantage of the home field advantage, yeah, right? Yeah, you're not yeah. taking advantage of what you did in the regular season. I think if they get out of the first round and then anything happens, listen, someone can come to City Park, take them to penalties, and they lose. That's not necessarily a disappointment. I mean, it's a disappointment, but it's not necessarily a failure there's a those aren't you know those are mutually exclusive at times they're not always the same so I I just look at it they win the first series they get a knockout round game then they're ultimately playing with house money and no matter what they do from that point it's 100% they outkick their coverage and they 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 overachieved in my opinion that's opening drive contributor Taylor Twelman oh, making his regular God. appearance. No. Um, that, that, that one, is that, that what you wanted to say us. to Rock to spark no, him? Oh, no. you have something else. Oh yeah, I do. That but, wasn't us. He doesn't. He doesn't answer. He uh, didn't come on our show. Oh, he was on. <laughs> Somebody he was on um, party with Tim and uh, oh, Jackson yeah. this so time on Wednesday because he didn't us. answer their phone call on Tuesday because I guess his phone just has issues from his hometown. He's angry. Somebody's angry. Oh my gosh! You're mad. <laughs> so okay, let me start with this. Has the MLS Cup reached this? Let's start with this. The the stupidest trophy in sports is the World Cup, is it not? Oh my God! Like wow. the actual, like the physical it's trophy of the competition. It's a globe. Okay. <laughs> it's not a cup. Okay, it, it should to be, be a, a cup. cup, like the, the Stanley Cup. The greatest trophy in sports is the Stanley Cup. Yes, I do think it's kind of cool. The Lombardi Trophy is just a thing. The Commissioner's Trophy in baseball is just a thing. But the Larry O'Brien Trophy is pretty cool. Has the MLS Cup just? aesthetically reached the level of being number two behind the Stanley Cup in terms of aesthetics. Rock is showing us a picture. It's a pretty cool cup. It is very pretty. It's a pretty cool cup. Here's the thing. It's futuristic. The World Mm -hmm. Cup is is pretty bad because here's the thing. All around other, other leagues, including the MLS, they have different things like the supporter shield, or they have in, in England they have the community shield, which is a competition you play in. And the literal thing they give you is like a silver plate. And so you gotta be you gotta be literal when you when you call something that in soccer. So you're right, the World Cup trophy needs to be worked the, on. Yeah. It's also right. really tiny than you think. Yep. What about the national championship trophy? Which I think is the crystal one? That, that one was one. that That's, one was a good yeah. one. Yeah. I mean yeah. it doesn't I mean the, the crystal the crystal football yeah. was so much better than the current one. It's not yeah, even funny, Carrie. Get out yeah. of here. Okay. So let's move to Taylor Twelman's comments because 
I am thrilled by the success of uh, uh, St. Louis City SC this year. Will I be disappointed if they don't win a playoff, uh, their first playoff experience? I, I would be disappointed, but I would still say that this has been a very successful, wildly successful inaugural season for St. Louis City SC. It'd be a shame to win the the first seed in the West and not take advantage of that seed by advancing. But if, if you don't advance, I still think it's a great year. It is. And nothing will take away from that. They've made history in this inaugural season. And so it wouldn't take away. But yeah, I think it would sting if it didn't pan out exactly because it feels like they have been kind of in control of their own destiny here towards the end. And we know how talented this group is. So, you know, oh, I'm going to bring up the word potential again. Uh, you see the potential in this group and what they're able to accomplish in just their inaugural season. Maybe my hopes are just really high, but I feel like I want them to make a deep run. I don't think it's a win, lose, or draw. I think this season has been phenomenal for for City. I think they have done a fantastic job. Here's a a team that was picked to finish last or or second to last in pretty much by everyone in their in their conference, and they they ended up in first place. Now, is that the ultimate goal? No, you want to win a championship, but. From where you're coming from in your inaugural season, I think you definitely have to look at that and say, you know, we did some fantastic things. And it's it, winning in the playoffs is hard, especially for your first time. It, it is it is a difficult task. Normally it takes teams, you know, a few times around, guys that have been in those environments, been in those situations. As much as people would like to think that it, it's the same, it isn't. The 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 energy is different. The, the vibe is different. It's just a different feeling. So, you know, Regardless of how it plays out, now I'm sure every man in that locker room is saying, nah, the hell with that, we want to win. And so I'm sure that's how they're going to go out. But regardless, uh, it's been a really good season. And I hope they do end with a championship. And Matthew, correct me if I'm wrong, but there are still an array of teams that could finish eight or nine in the standings. Portland, San Jose, FC Dallas, Sporting KC, Minnesota could all theoretically play in that eight-nine game and provide the first-round opponent for City SC, correct? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's completely open right now because yes, Real Salt Lake sits at sixth right now. Minnesota United sits at eleventh, and the separation of points there is forty three for the top team and forty one for the, the bottom team. And there's five in between there, so or six in between there. Excuse me. So yeah, there's a lot of potential movement all the way at the bottom of the of the uh, of the West. And so your potential opponent, you know, FC Dallas, they had a bad game against them. That's maybe one you circle. Kansas City and Minnesota has been a little bit different for you. So I mean, there's a lot of good, strong matchups potentially there coming out of the wild card against City. I have a question for you, Rock. How do you feel yeah. about, because while we've been waiting for some action, how do you feel about the six players along with Carnell being named, named to the MLS year in awards? Yeah, I mean, everyone everyone kind of, you know, throws out their their own nominations, but I think there's, there's if you look at the pundits as they're throwing out there, Carnell's up to win Coach of the Year. Berkey's up, uh, is probably going to win Goalkeeper of the Year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we've talked about it, Berkey, uh, Carnell talked about it with Berkey on this station, about how he probably should win MVP, and then I think they had Leuven's Newcomer of the Year. I think mm, that yes. he's, li- he's live to win that one. Um, the only one I think AZ Jackson is up for their Young Player of the Year. That one's a little bit more, I'm not sure, just because I, I haven't paid attention to how many other you know 21 year old guys have come out of nowhere to go from the bench to starting for teams all over the MLS that one I'm not not as good on so I think that I think still be, be likely because I don't know how many guys are, are that young who again came from the bench to being a regular starter for the last half of the season 
Yeah. So for the playoffs, the first round is the best of three. Mm-hmm. Best of three, yeah. And then yeah. second round is single elimination. Yep. Is it yeah. The last, th- last three rounds are single elimination. Why? Why would they? Why would you make it best of? I, I'm, in, I'm, I'm curious to know. Why would you make the first you would, round best? You think of three? the most it important would, one would, would be, be longer, the, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's instead a good point. Of, it is kind of, it is kind of flipped. Yeah. I guess maybe you want to, um, you know, ensure give... that the best team is in the in the second round. Yeah, because the 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 thought process would be a lower ranked team has a better chance of knocking you off in just one game than if you have to beat them two out of three. You yeah. have a better chance as the higher seed to to win there. So maybe they're just making it so it's even harder mm-hmm. for the you know five through eights to get through the yeah. next the, round. The first round is home away home. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that takes place October 28th through November 12th. And it's interesting because for those games, if the game, the match, is tied at the end of regulation, they're going to go right to penalty kicks. And in the next round, if it's tied at the end of regulation, then they have two 15-minute overtime periods before they go to penalty kicks. Mm. So it's really, it's a really intriguing format. I like the format, but for a team like City SC, you lose that first game, and then you have to go out yeah. to whether whatever it is, Portland, San Jose, Dallas, whatever. You your season is on the line if you lose on a penalty kick in the first round. And again, the first round does have an away match in there built in, and that's where they've gotten bitten yeah. a couple times. That's where they got you know Dallas got them away. Um, Minnesota is actually a weird one where they did better um, in Minnesota than they did here in Minnesota. Same thing with Vancouver. So there's a couple other uh, weird ones that, that you you got to look at. But I mean the matchups right now are looking good for City. The big thing right now is that Orlando City has jumped them for second overall in the supporter shield. So right now there is a, a second team that if they get through the, the East would have home field advantage in the final round the MLS Cup. There's still a chance for I think two other teams in the East to also jump up. The East is right now considered just the, the stronger Better of conference. the conferences. Yeah, if you look at the uh, power rankings that the MLS pundits are putting out right now, like the seventh seed in the East is like the tenth overall team to their power rankings. Hmm. So gotcha. you, you can kind of see where the the gradation is coming between the two conferences. And how, how did the uh, because I haven't really paid close attention. How did the pundits do with their preseason prognostications? <laughs> oh, Pretty bad, Randy. Uh, they had City. City as finishing thirteenth or fourteenth in their league. How about that? And City again <laughs> won the West for the regular season. <laughs> okay, okay, just checking. By the way, uh, you might have seen a post um, from City a few days after they. They won the West. It was a little bit delayed, but there was a post that was like, Comp- continental competition. That's something else, by the way. If, if you do really well in your soccer league, you get to be in other tournaments the next season. Because wow. there's other tournaments that ha- that take all the winners from the leagues around your conference, and they throw them together into a thing. You might, if you're a fan of European football, you've obviously heard of the UEFA League and the Champions League. Yes. Well, CONCACAF, which is the federation that the United States is, Canada, us, and um, uh, Central America, we then play in the CONCACAF Champions Cup starting next year. And there's a lot of different ways you can um, qualify for the Champions Cup. One way is winning the Supporter Shield. You can be a top two, you can be overall top three in the Supporter Shield, or you can win your conference. So there, or you can win the MLS Cup. So there's four ways to get in. City's at least guaranteed one. They're they're in the CONCACAF Champions Cup next year guaranteed because of winning the West, but obviously they could get a bye into the round of 16 right off the bat if they win the MLS Cup overall and and this is crazy, Randy. I know you already uh, brought up the the World Cup, but did you know that there's a Club World Cup? 
No. There's a Club I World like Cup. It. And here's the thing is the 2025 version, um, they are expanding it from seven teams to 32 teams, and it will be held here in the United States. And one of the people who gets into the Club World Cup is the winner of the 2024 Champions Cup. So next season, City will be playing in another tournament where if they win that one, they will then be playing in the FIFA Club World Cup against teams like Real Madrid, Manchester oh, United, wow. the biggest teams in the entire world to try to win the Club World Cup. So there's there's a lot of crazy stuff. You just keep getting in more tournaments and more competitions. That's how soccer works. If you're good, they just keep asking you to play more soccer, which I think is kind of cool. That's pretty cool. Nice. One other note, the, the final match for SC on the 21st against Seattle at City Park, that do- doesn't hold any real importance for City. But it does for Seattle, right? Because Seattle, if, if LAFC loses their last game and Seattle wins their last game, see if LAFC loses or draws and Seattle would win, they could pass LAFC in the standings and have the second seat, correct? Yeah, yeah. LAFC right now at 51 points. Seattle is at 50. And technically, Houston Dynamo aren't completely out of it. Oh, yeah. yeah, they could win one, and that would push them ahead of Seattle because the first tiebreaker is, is wins on the schedule right now. LAFC has 14. Seattle and Houston both have both have 13. So they can make it a little bit interesting. Even Houston can. Again, there's a lot of things changing. There's only like... Fifth, you know, like six teams, I would say that their their spot is a hundred percent settled and it cannot move no matter what happens. There are games this Saturday, next Wednesday, and next Saturday. That's when City plays their final game, and there are five teams that have two games left. So there's still a lot of fluctuation that can happen. We'll have to get uh, Carnell on next week and find out if City's going to play their guys against Seattle. Because, like in baseball, remember how the Cardinals, if, if, if Cincinnati was mm-hmm. still in it, they weren't going to hit Wayno because of the integrity of yeah. the situation. I wonder if uh, if City will do that. I, I think uh, people just brought it up the other day. You know, the the Tigers back in 06, a lot of them are on mm-hmm. the record saying, we, we win that series if we don't have to wait an entire week for the Cardinals get here. So, yeah, I think the rest versus rust thing is going to be interesting. I wonder how the scrimmage, I think, that happened a couple days ago, I wonder how that went. Uh, hopefully nobody picked up any injuries or anything like that. Yeah, and... There's no doubt that the the in those five days or six days that the, the Detroit Tigers were off in 2006, their pitchers forgot how to field. <laughs> Completely. <laughs> Completely. Uh, coming up, we're going to head down the stretch with Rock and Roll and the betting slip on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Heading into the weekend, we have a fun show that we do on Channel 2 at 11 o'clock on Sundays. And Brooke is the host of the 101 on Sports this week at 11 o'clock on Channel 2. What do you got? Yeah, making my comeback to TV. Yay! On Fox 2. Um, so this week I have a treat for you guys. I talked to Cardinals newcomer and outfielder Richie Palacios, and Richie, we Richie 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 Richie, Richie. Good. and Richie is fantastic. I I hope that things work out for him next season with the Cardinals. We talked about everything. We talked about his fashion, his brother. If you remember that whole series against the Pirates, that great story of him and his brother Josh Palacios playing Mm -hmm. against each other, having their parents in the stands. We talked about his parents, how they like to join in on the smack talk. And so it's just a whole smack talking family. His love of fashion, uh, just a lot of different stuff and what it was like for him coming to the Cardinals this season in the way that he did. I don't think that many expected him to make 
as much of an impact as he did in the second half of the season, but he really brought a lot of energy and passion. I think that's something that I liked and a lot of other fans liked too. Um, And he's been working hard this offseason. He talked about what it was like witnessing Adam Wainwright's final season and how Waino was one of the first people in the clubhouse to greet him and how that just cool. like really stuck out to him and just a memory that he's going to hold on to forever because you know he was like I don't expect like you know the big names to come over and talk to me he was like but Wayno just came up to me straight away and talked about he, how I just need to be myself and just have fun out there. That's great. So we'll see it at 11 o'clock on Fox 2 on Sunday night, and then it will be on our YouTube channel immediately after that Mm -hmm. airing. All right, Matthew. I got three college games to start off the betting slip today. It's a ranked matchup, number eight, Oregon, at number nine, UW-Washington. And Oregon is getting three points. Washington's giving up three, and it's an over-under of 66-and-a-half. They're at Washington? At Washington. I'm going to go Oregon. So it's practically a pick I'm going to essentially it's a pick them. It's, it's it's a Washington's getting three points or giving up three points because they're the home team. We gotta get Dan Landing on one day. He, his yeah. story. He's he's from Missouri. Mm-hmm. His story as to how he became a head coach is absolutely. You're amazing. taking Oregon. I'm taking Oregon. I think Oregon. I agree. Would you rather have them straight up for plus one thirty? I'll take Oregon in the points. I'm taking You're taking points. Okay, he's taking the points. What All right. You- yeah, I'm taking it. Let's move over to USC at Notre Dame. Do not let the Lars Newbar fandom change your bet here. Brooke Grimsley, also essentially a pick as the home team is giving up two and a half points for Notre Dame. USC means they're plus two and a half. So USC, can they, with a little bit of help, can they edge the Golden Domers? Who's Notre Dame's quarterback? You don't know. It doesn't matter. Is Caleb Williams the quarterback of USC? I'm yes, going sir. Yeah, that's all you exactly. know. That's all you need to know. USC going to cover. USC exactly. with extra points. Why not? But, uh, you see, you should listen to Lars Newbar okay, on fine. that. He, he had fine. a great analysis of Caleb, of no Caleb Williams. Backfield. The USC defense is vulnerable. Yes. They got that kid branch, though. It, yeah, they, they've they've allowed a lot really of points fast. so far. So uh, with, with that knowledge, I will uh, take USC big. Okay, there you go. And here's the final <laughs> one. It's another one that's practically a pick 'em because of the home and away. Mizzou and Kentucky. Kentucky minus two and a half. Mizzou plus two and a half. Obviously, Kentucky at home. Essentially a pick 'em here. We got money on the line here? Are we, are we spending money? Uh actually yes, I think actually today take, we are going uh, to I'll take Kentucky. I'm taking Kentucky. What's the uh what's the spread? Two and a half. Uh, two and a half. Mizzou's getting the points. Hmm. You all don't trust old Mizzou down there in old Kentucky, huh? Uh, I trust him. I just don't think they're as good. All right. Did you you hear what we said about? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna rock. I'm gonna go on your side. No, we're gonna gonna, we're gonna take Kentucky. We're gonna take Kentucky. Sorry about this one. Sorry, Kerry. 45 to 42. The final score. Kentucky winning. That's yeah. That's that's a lot of points. Like I think you just went into my head. That's and, exactly and pulled it. the exact score I was just about to What's say. What's the over-under? 45-42. Uh, over-under is 50 and a half. Oh, yeah, take the over. over there. Take the over, yeah. Can we put that as well? Okay, so, you know, we can put that as well. That's scary. That's fine now. <laughs> Betting slip's pretty much done, though, because that's four bets now, because we're going to add the over for 50.5. I only need two more. Carrie, you already mentioned one of them. Are you guys feeling good? Are you going with Carrie? Vikes at Bears, the over-under is 43 and a half. Carrie said they're not scoring 30. So you got 13 and a half points to work with. Are you feeling good about it? Three and a half is 43 and a half Going over under, under. Vikes under. at Bears. Under. under. This game, 
Yeah, it goes under. Okay, under? I was oh, like, I was like, are you seeing something I'm, different no, than what I, I was thinking 2117, and I was just adding in my head. All right. That's 38. <laughs> and I need bet number six. We're going to go to tomorrow night as the Kraken travel to St. Louis to face off against the Blues. It's an over-under in this game of six and a half for Ooh. the total. The Blues, by the way, would need to win by two goals to cover the minus one and a half they are favored by. So I'm going to ask you, do you want the over-under for the six and a half, or do you want the Blues money line bet of minus 122? So what do we have with the Blues win? Six to two, which is what they're going to do. Uh, that would be an over. over. That would be an over. You think six to two? Six Randy? to two. Home opener, fired up the energy in that building. Kairou is uh, listening to this show all morning. He's going to score two. I don't he's, think Kairou is hot. Like this show. <laughs> no, he's probably pretty sure asleep. Fortnite servers are up right yeah. now, so he was not listening to this. Bobby Tommy, Bobby Tommy is going to be dishing. I would be sleeping. Oh, they're eleven thirty today. So yeah, six two blues. Take the over. You guys are feeling an over I'm for six? An you feeling under. seven total goals? I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm feeling an under. under. I think it's going to take oh, a, just Sorry, a minute Randy. to get the scoring going a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they'll one score less game. than a minute into the game. Four to one is a good game. Here's the it's thing. Under. Yeah. I'm going to throw this one out there. Grant Francis told me, um, and he asked Craig Berube, Grant uh, Doug, Doug Armstrong, this Grant good morning, Grant is what I like to call him. And he told me that scoring actually is higher in the early seasons of the NHL, or the early games of an NHL season, not lower like we usually see with the NFL scores. Well, but I think you got overruled on this one. Fine. You guys are disagreeing here. Would you rather just take the Blues minus 113? Or 122, excuse me. Which Straight one up. pays more? Uh, the over under six and a half is going Let's to pay slightly better. I think it's minus one oh eight. We're here gambling. Uh, I will defer money. The yeah. under, the under, defer. the under, the under six and a half is the exact same bet minus one twenty two. Uh, we're gambling yeah. fictional money. It's not. Yeah, I'll defer to you guys. I'll, I'll, Let's I'll, go under. Let's go under. All right. Yeah, okay. And that way, when under. I come back on Tuesday, I can say I told you so. <laughs> All right, there uh, it is. There's your no, bet. That's not no. You, you that's that's the only reason why he agreed. In case anyone was Take Oregon at UW with the three points. USC at Notre Dame with the two and a half. We're going to take Kentucky at home, giving up two and a half to Mizzou. We're going to take the over on the 50 and a half in that SEC battle. We're going to take the under in the NFC North stinker above Vikings Bears <laughs> under 43 and a half. And we're going to go under six and a half total goals between the Blues and the Kraken tomorrow in the home opener. That is your betting slip, Randy Carroll. And I've got the Hawks over the Pirates tonight. Yes, sir. And the Hawks over the Pirates. Like uh, by the way, congratulations, everybody. Everybody, four and two uh, in last week's uh, well betting done. slip, which was topped off, of course, by the Rangers beating up on the Orioles. When I asked you guys for a a uh, underdog in the playoffs, you guys, no hesitation. You guys said Rangers Orioles 100%. They were the first team to clear to the second round. Incredibly great call by there. I think people should follow the betting slip. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Matthew, great job by our producer and audio engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Uh, Brooke, did you have a fun week? I did. Good. Yes. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, it's doing it again. Oh, How about that? There you go. How about that? How about that? CD. We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? <laughs> there we go. Uh, you guys will have to uh, carry the load again on Monday. I'm going to be in the Ozzie Smith Golf Tournament. Oh, we wish you well. But then I will be. It's for kids, though. It's for the kids. There yeah, for PGA Reach. So yeah. just keep yeah. missing the easiest day. Yeah. So, uh, But I'll be back on Tuesday. And uh, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. For all of us, until Monday morning at 7, have a great weekend, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.